Hello, listeners. I'm Commander Merv, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. As you've probably guessed, this episode of the Avocado Gamescast is all about Mass Effect. By the time you hear this episode, the newest game of the franchise, Mass Effect Andromeda, will be close to release or will have already been released. So we wanted to mark the occasion by talking about what might currently be gaming's most important sci-fi franchise. But before we get to that, let's meet the rest of the Normandy's crew. First up, the badass Batarian, Ben. Good morning. Next, the terrifying Turian, Banner Thief. Hello, hello, hello. And finally, the killer Krogan, the Kappa. Merv. I don't, I don't know how a Krogan would say that. Like, you now they say Shepard, Merv. Yeah, probably something like that. <laughs> yeah, they're... I, I, I don't know how exactly they managed to distort the voices to get them Krogan sounding, but I know that people don't normally sound like that. They must apply some sort of audio filter I'll confess, before this podcast, I was working on my Garrus impression. The thing yeah. is, Garrus impressions, you can get the cadence down just fine. But the problem is they added a flange effect to make his voice kind of have like a bird quality to it that yeah. you just can't replicate. It's impossible. I physically cannot do the voice 100%. It sucks. Oh, uh, yeah. The reason you – like it's – I think they, they sort of double the audio. So it's it's like almost the same – you could replicate it if you could do almost the same sort of technique as – as throat singing where people can sing multiple tones at the same time. Yeah. I ain't doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've been able to sort of train myself to do it, but it's really, really hard. Um, yeah, but it, it's remarkable that, uh, the voice actor plays him. Uh, what's his name? Brandon. I forget his last name. Brandon Keener. Yeah. He can almost do it. If you ever, that's like <laughs> his natural voices. Oh yeah. He's talk. great. And it, and he's great because once you notice him, you'll notice him everywhere. Like you, Oh, he, here he is in fallout four. Here he is in, uh, justified. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I remember he was like some, some paranoid guy on castle when I still watched that show. Um, he's been around. So, uh, I guess we're all excited to chat about mass effect. Yep. No, not really. Not More really. Like ass effect. Ass effect. <laughs> So you guys say aspect, but um, there's actually first of all, there's actually a a not safe for work subreddit called Ass Effect. If you want to look up Mass Effect erotic fan art, you can on on Reddit. Uh, well, I was so, going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and and second of all, speaking of fucking aliens, uh, Mass Effect recently collaborated with Cards Against Humanity to release. An official Cards Against Humanity expansion called "Totally Fuckable Aliens." <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a thing you can buy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say about that. But yeah, I, I don't even know. At least, at least Bioware has a sense of humor about themselves. Um, so I'm glad. I just to like to point out that. That, that emotional art for that has it right because Ship is making out with Garrus, which is the only option. <laughs> and also, I will point out one of the executive producers was asked on Twitter, like, "Hey, how?" How are the sex scenes in this game? There are some, right? And he's like, "Yeah, they're they're they are, they are more not safe for work than any previous sex scenes we've ever done." Score. They're going for it. Didn't he say it was like basically softcore porn or something? Yeah, yeah. That that I think that was his exact wording. Started a little bit of a little feud, kinda. Uh, does nobody want to see like erect uh, Krogan penis or whatever you're gonna see? Oh, I'm sure it'll. Oh, I'm I sure people want to, want to see, see it. There's always somebody who wants to see something. Yeah, full balls. Wait, okay, so it probably this... looks like it probably looks like the alien from uh, those alien movies, except like like metal. 
Like, I don't know. Would it have and, scales? And, like, not bursting through your chest? Um, I mean, you know. Well, depends what you're into. Um, <laughs> what I've always wondered is, Turians, they're, like, supposed to be reptilian and bird-like. Does that mean that they have penises? Or oh, are, like, birds that just have simple. cloacas? Like, oh, it's we just one right to penises. So here's... Here's the Turian physiology, right? So they have they have penises and testicles like we do. What the thing is, they are they are not scaled and, uh, and kind of have the carapace like the rest of their body. So they are actually inside until they are aroused and they kind of come down, kind of like you know a dog sheath. Same principle. Okay, so it works like <laughs> lipstick. Okay, um, so we're gonna get into the romance of the Mass Effect series later, um, but before we we do that. Um, we have a special segment that we're going to kick off the podcast with because this is a Mass Effect podcast and Mass Effect, as you all know, was developed by Bioware. Uh, we're going to start by talking about everyone's favorite Bioware character, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> and by the way, that's not, that's not a joke. Between making the first Mass Effect game and Dragon Age Origins, Bioware actually made an RPG for the Nintendo DS called Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood. I think we've actually talked about this game on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, apparently, it was pretty bad, but better than it had any business being. Bioware actually put some effort into this. Uh, at any rate, Sonic is actually, I guess, technically a Bioware character. <laughs> and uh, as all our listeners know, we absolutely love Sonic here at the Avocado Games cast. Love him. Yeah, we love him <laughs> to death. Um, so, Bernadine, you have some Sonic-related news or information to share yes, with us? Yes, so on March 9th, a woman crashed into a Sonic drive-in in Nebraska, and she will be prosecuted. Oh, no, wait, wrong Sonic. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Okay, Sonic Mania is a game with Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. It'll be released. It's, it is full. They're, they're going full in with the, with the nostalgia trip. It is going to be in the classic 16-bit style. Except an HD widescreen. They're they're trying so hard to to just recapture the magic. They're just going to basically remake the first game. Right, but see, I always have a, tro- a problem with this because they're trying to recapture the magic via the aesthetics of the first game. But are they actually going to try to, in any way, you know, recapture the gameplay that made the early Sonic games good? Well, so, you know, do they, you know who the guy trying. making it is? Pardon me. I think do it's you Sonic. Know who the guy making it is? Who no. is it? Oh, it's it's one of the, the Sonic fangrame creator, right? They got on board. Basically, it was a dude that um hacked together basically perfect working copies of the original Sonic games for the phones, for like iPhone and Android and shit, but basically recreating the Sonic engine as a custom thing built for the phones. And then Sega saw him, hired him, got him to do the official versions, and are now getting him to do a, his own game. Well, that's a lot of faith in uh, in this, this guy. Uh, they're tr- counting on him to turn the franchise around. I don't know if that's going to work. That's really weird. That reminds me of uh, the uh, Skullgirls uh, development team hiring a uh, hiring a guy called Zone, who whose claim to fame beforehand was making flash porn parodies of various video games. So they hired him to do a bunch of art for their upcoming games. Well, that's also-, also actually not how that happened because I know a bunch about that too. Oh God, um, do you? Yeah. Um. Base. What happened originally is first he did a Skullgirls porn parody, which, doing the porn parody, he recreated the entire user interface in uh, vector art, which means it could be infinitely scaled. 
which the huh. Skullgirls team didn't have. They had it in rasterized art, which means it could, was locked at a certain resolution. So they actually, first they bought the vectorized copies of their UI off of Zone so they could use it in their game and infinitely scale it, because why the fuck not? And then he did just, like, applied like everyone else, did an animation test and all that kind of shit and got accepted. Good for him. No snark. Man, I mean, he's, yeah. He's a good animator. And to bring it back to Ass Effect, apparently making porn pays off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. good at it. I, I, I actually did want to talk a little bit about how the source filmmaker has opened the door for all sorts of just, just weird stuff that you can do in those things. Ugh. Yeah. Except I don't even feel like talking about on this supposedly family friendly. Is this family friendly? This you is know not what? Probably not. Family. <laughs> we, Never mind. We have an explicit tag on every single uh episode of this on itunes i mean you could listen to this with your family that you probably won't be very friendly but you could you could like make sure if, if you're say like 50 listen to it with your adult children the, no, yeah, that won't be weird at all young children young children only <laughs> corrupt them at a young age and then uh we have we have parent we have a parent of of a young child of two young children on this podcast. We should stop saying things like this. Nah, he don't <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> so Please I, don't. I would I would I would find the Sonic talk more objectionable than anything so far. Yeah, Sonic, that's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's Sonic, I guess. Unless, do you have any more <laughs> Sonic related news? Not really. I was going to put up a bunch of more fake fake news about Sonic and whatnot, but then at one, I realized that the, the term fake news is maybe not one to be used lightly anymore. And two, I realized there's actually just not that very much interesting about Sonic Drive-In. Like, they got yeah. tater tots, they, they got hot dogs. Their tater tots are better than their fries, which is weird. They have good milkshakes. But tater, like, tots are, that, tater tots yeah. are always better than fries. I don't know what I mean, they saying. are pretty good. They're very good tater tots. Tater tots. Yeah, it's like don't... it's like a it's like a have you ever had like cube potatoes? They're kind of like that, except they're really breaded on the outside. Okay. Yeah. Imagine... Oh shit! Um, stolen potato gems here. Okay, I know what you mean. Yeah, they're like they're like cubed hash browns. Oh almost. yeah, you call them some weird made up nonsense in Australia. I should have remembered. Yeah, we call everything weird made up nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is on the opposite side of the globe. We actually don't have Sonics out in the East Coast, as far as I know. Um. There probably are, but I've just never seen them. So this whole Sonic phenomenon has kind of passed me by. Both the video game and the drive-thru. So that's enough about Sonic. Let's move on to what we actually came here to talk about today, which is Mass Effect. Um, so before we proceed, let me just warn our listeners. We're going to be spoiling the entire trilogy here, including the DLC, possibly. So if you haven't... Pardon me. Oh, we definitely are. Uh, so if you haven't yet played the Mass Effect trilogy, my advice would be go play it, and then about 100 hours later you can come back and listen to this. But please do, uh, please we advise you not to listen to this unless you've actually played the trilogy. Um, I've never actually played any of them. Yeah. <laughs> the Barrett Thief's just like sat there watching YouTube playthroughs and he's looped the Garrus romance scenes over and over again. <laughs> 
I, when I close my eyes, all I see is that headbutt at the end of Mass Effect Two, where they where they where they go in for the headbutt, and that's the entirety of the romantic. I'm like, God damn it, are you serious with this? Come on, let me see, let me see a little bit, let me see a little bit of his peen. A little. <laughs> There's that's what Deviant Art is for, my friend. Um, you can so, see far more than a little bit. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, so. We're all here because we we like Mass Effect. I think we all like Mass Effect. So let's start with talking about why this series held holds such appeal for us. Um, I I like it because I'm a huge fan of, of sci-fi in general. I like that it's not a dystopian take on the future. There's a lot of these dystopian speculative fiction out there, and this is ref- a refreshing, somewhat optimistic take on the future, which I really enjoy. Uh, what do you guys like about Mass Effect? Fucking aliens! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, real, really though. I, I think so. Star Trek is my favorite sci-fi franch- franchise of all time, and Mass Effect, in many ways, seems to be an interesting sort of modern take on this on the Star Trek idea of let's let's take the idea of a of a far flung federation of different races. Let's take all those ideas. And let's kind of modernize them. Let's add in some technology that's been that's been come around since since the star trek was was in vogue it seems like like they all like, like the it seems very much like bioware was a huge fan of star trek they took a lot of the ideas and they kind of kind of messed them around gusting up a little bit i think they did a really great job kind of modernizing it mass effect even though you know it's set hundreds of years in the future still feels grounded in a very interesting way it feels kind of like an interesting fusion of the star trek idea and the star wars idea of the messy technology like nothing nothing works completely right everything's kind of dirty it feels like a universe has been worn in and it feels it feels plausible in a weird sort of way even though there's you know gigantic reaper machine gods that are coming to kill us all it still feels like something that could happen Especially the Reapers. Well, I think one of the things that helps it really feel like that is when you look at, like, all the crazy future tech and everything they have, the only real, like, fantasy impossible thing is they discover the element zero. Yeah. And everything comes from that. It's like they have, they've done, added, like, one crazy fantasy sci-fi magic thing into it and then built everything logically as a progression from that point instead of just like going balls to the wall fuck it it's the future we can do whatever we want yeah they, they like they, they decided hey we we want to have psychics in this game we want to have we want to have some way to do the fdl travel we're gonna have to fudge it a little bit by creating this fantasy element but you know what we're gonna build everything out logically from this fantasy element we're gonna explain how it works we're gonna explain why it can do the things it does in very very nice detail in a way that star trek never star trek was kind of like and eh, we take we take a dilithium and we kind of smash it together and it creates antimatter or whatever. I don't know. I think yeah, my I, favorite thing about it is, uh, I mean, I, I hear all the, you know, the sci-fi is, is cool and all, but to me what I like most is it feels kind of like a heist game. Like all the games kind of feel like you assemble a team to go do a specific thing. Um, I always love that idea of, you know, getting the right character to do the right thing. Um, you know, and, and having to choose between, you know, certain types of characters and who do you bring along on missions uh, the mechanics of that to me is just really fun. I really enjoy that that style uh, of gameplay, and you know, and then you've got you know these world-ending type things in the background that you're really competing against. But um, I, I really like just that 
ability to build and create a, a team and everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. It's it's very hard for me to go back to other RPGs um, where it feels like, I don't know if you guys played like Final Fantasy 13 or any other games like that, where it's just like, okay, there's really a right party to have. Whereas in Mass Effect, you can beat it with, with whoever you want to go with or solo, you know, um, depending on how, how you like to kill people off. So I think that the game allows you to, to create your own story. Uh, between your own shepherd, your own party, who you do and don't use, who you do and don't romance or or make loyal or things like that. Um, it's, it's a very customizable experience. And I mean, though most people hit many of the same story beats like we're going to talk about, there, there's definitely some that, um, you know, that that people just don't ever know because they don't play that style or they don't have that character alive in their game or they played a male instead of a female, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I think that always um, I love the most about it doesn't really have anything to do with the plot or the storyline or the sci-fi. It's just I really like the characters. They're mm-hmm. really well-written characters. I really enjoy going to that world and spending time with those characters. And I think the fact that it does the save carry-ons, which I think, is it the first major game to have done that? Like where you import your save into the next game every uh, it's, time? It's got to be one of the very first. I mean, I know other games in the past have you've impo- have been able to import like characters from, from other games, you know, like save characters from game to game, but I don't know if, of another game that did a world state like that from one to two. Yeah, to three. like the story, like it makes it feel like it's like something you have experienced. It's not like just a story that's being written. Like my shepherd that I play the game with is a completely different character to the ones you guys played. Yeah, the game with, it, it, and it's really, thing. and I don't it, like no other game has ever done that for me before. And then after you finish Mass Effect 3 and you've spent like a hundred hours with your personal shepherd. Like it's really cool. And nothing else has really done that. And the conversations that come, one of the reasons like Mass Effect Andromeda is one of those games I'm going to play the second it comes out is because I like to have those conversations with people to say, Oh man, you know, in this one scene, what did you choose? Or how did this play out for your shepherd? Or, or, you know, I guess it'll be your, um, your writer. Yeah. Writer. But, um, you know, I, I really like having those conversations because it feels cool to say, man, I, I, I didn't even know that could happen. You know, like the, some games have that moment where you're just like, wow, if, if I made this wrong choice, I never even got to see this whole thing. Um, I, my friend basically did the suicide mission. I got lucky. Um, no guides or anything. I got lucky and had nobody die in the suicide mission. He's like, man, that was really emotional at the end where it's basically everybody's dead. And I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? So, you know, it, it, I didn't even I didn't even realize your characters could actually die there you know because i had a totally different experience i was like well you know that's kind of cool but you know nobody really dies and 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 he's like oh no no people die i I think he lost i want to say jacob in the vent at the very beginning and he just had a whole bunch of deaths he picked basically every wrong person you could pick Um, why would you send a biotic into the vent (laughs) i don't know i don't know i do i do like that you can have that suicide mission go so wrong that everybody including shepherd dies and the game just ends yeah Yeah, it ends with joker (laughs) talking to the elusive man it's really funny um yeah, I I actually one thing I didn't have that experience with the suicide mission because I knew going in that people could die, but I had that experience in Mass Effect Three where I reached the end of the game and then I heard people talking about Tali's suicide. I was like, wait, Tali can die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because apparently, die? yeah, she'll take off her mask and kill herself because she realizes she's never going to get to her planet or her planet's never going to be be habitable, right? And I think it has something, something to do like with. That. Yeah, it has to do with it has to do with basically 
Um, like to, when you're doing the Geth mission on yeah, the homeworld. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically like if the Geth win, essentially. Um, whereas if you've managed to broker a piece properly and you have to do a whole bunch of things perfectly right in order for that to work, then the Geth and Quarians broker a piece and then Legion and Tali yeah, are they, both happy like, and neither one. Yeah, awesome. n- yep. neither one commits suicide. Um, yeah, so you either have to you either have to to lose Legion or or uh, or Tali. Um, yeah, my Tali killed herself. It was pretty dramatic because it kind of like you see it happening and you try to talk her out of it, and she's like, "No, I'm I'm committed to this." Yeah, and apparently the Paragon interrupt does nothing. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, she's she's too fast. So, yeah, I mean that that's one of the things I you know, I feel like I got to mention a little bit about Dragon Age because it does something similar and but the world state in Dragon Age is so much more in depth and I can't believe that they're going to, you know, they're not doing a hard reset. They have to do one soon. I'm sure like Mass Effect is doing with Andromeda, but uh Mass Effect carried so much stuff from from even from the first game to the third game. Um it's really kind of technically impressive. Um, that they were able to do all that. Um, and, and one of the things that I did to kind of experience different play styles on PC, you can download other people's saves. So if you're like, you know what, I, I just want to see this ending as a, you know, as a paragon, you can download a paragon ending that made all, you know, all the other same choices, but things like that. Uh, very, very cool idea to just let people swap saves too, so they can, they can see the other side. Yeah, and I've seen... That's one of the things I've never been able to do with Mass Effect, is do the replays as different versions of the characters. Because, mm-hmm. like like I said, like I was mainly playing for the characters and everything, and I became really attached to my Shepard. So, like, then you start... Like, I tried doing a replay as, like, a male Shepard and everything, and it's like, this is weird, and it doesn't feel right. Yeah, I... I could only play Femme Shep as well. Um, Jennifer Hale's voice acting, I, I've talked about it here before, is just so good. I don't have anything against Mark Mir. He just kind of... Like, Mark uh, Mir's really good. Hale. Yeah, it's just he's like, like, Jennifer Hale is Jennifer Hale is like an all-time great performance mm-hmm. here. Because I, like my, my, I always went Renegade, and I liked Jennifer Hale's performance as kind of like an angry asshole Renegade. As opposed to Mark Mears' kind of sarcastic jerk renegade, if that makes sense. Like, just the tone yeah, of their yeah. voice. Jennifer yeah. Hale gets so much more, like, into, like, being a jerk. <laughs> it actually it actually uh, improves the whole thing. So, um, I, I liked her her character just from the get-go. Um, and, and I think she, her, uh, her vocal performance really elevates her to be, in my mind, the canon shepherd. Yeah. Um, is is Femme Shep and, and and so it's weird to me when people talk about their male shepherd. And I think they released the the numbers. I think only about twenty percent of people played a female shepherd. Is that right? Yeah, most people actually play the male shepherd. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's like based on what people talk about on the internet, you'd think it'd be like fifty fifty. Fifty fifty would be my guess. I mean, because yeah. uh, it's such a different experience between the two. Um, I mean, not just romance options and stuff like that, but uh, there's a lot of you know cool moments where. I've seen like the, the comparisons on YouTube and things like that. And just the voice acting that, that she does is so much better. I think um, just how she wonder, gets into the role. Yeah. I wonder if there's a trend of like, I played as male shepherd and I like Mark Mir just fine, but I will, I will agree that, that Jennifer Hale's performance is much is, is better. I've seen a lot of, I've, I've played as female shepherd for one playthrough, and yeah, she's, she's on another level. I was going to say, I think there might be a trend of female protagonists, voice performances being better because i remember the same thing in fallout 4 
Remember the same thing in the Dragon Age, in the Dragon Age Inquisition. It's just, just a big trend of the female voice voice performance is just being head and shoulders above the male. I'm not sure what that that's about, but maybe they're just better. I I, I can only really speak to Dragon Age and um and Mass Effect. I think to me what it is, it's an emotional thing. They put more emotion into the role, whereas I feel like the male actors are just saying the line sometimes. Um, whereas I I don't know, you know, if yeah, they're getting better be direction or. It might be because they're used to playing more stoic roles because that's how people write male characters generally. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily that, you know, necessarily men or women are more, more in touch with, with their emotions or anything like yeah. that. It's probably just what they're used to playing. Yeah. I was, I was going to say brief point, like Fallout 4 especially had a weird thing where the, where the male guy is so generic and, and stoic, as someone else pointed out, that it, may, it just feels, he doesn't feel very upset that his son is missing. He just kind of, eh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I think the the male default, not British, but American English uh, Dragon Age character is kind of the same way. Um, think of like, you know, like Blackwall. It's just kind of like, OK, well, you know, he's just kind of getting through the lines from step to step, whereas you, you get a lot different emotions from from the female characters. I believe the the male American uh, voice actor there is John Curry, who's actually Zevron's voice yep. as well. Weird. So, yeah, it's really weird that he he does both like the the weird Spanish accent and the like the gruff male American Inquisitor. Yeah, the the British guy is just kind of generically British. Um, I, I don't know. It's he's okay, but I think he's both of them. I don't think are as good as the female options. But to me, Jennifer Hale is is the definitive voice I hear when people talk about Shepard. You know, in my head when people like when Merv said the uh, you know I'm Commander Shepard. This is my favorite podcast. Like it was weird. Like oh yeah, I guess that's not Jennifer Hale saying that. So <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I I loved her role and I think it. I, I'm not sure why she was better or why she worked for me, but I, I basically got about. 20 minutes into Mass Effect 1 when I very first started playing it, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is going to be my Shepard from here on out. Yeah, I, I definitely I, One of the things I think that's happened with that, though, is, like, now you hear Jennifer Hale in other games, and it's always the exact same voice. Yeah, like, Jennifer Hale is everywhere, thing, uh, just so you know. The thing is, uh, she has a lot of range, but I think the same thing happened with Nolan North, like, where they get really famous for doing one specific role and then that's the voice that everyone else wants in their game if you know what i mean yeah well, I, having no one a... great because he steps outside of he does when he does step outside of his range he's really good like i i talked to a lot of people and none of them ever knew that he voiced the penguin in the arkham as arkham games because it's such a weird role and you would basically never pick it out unless someone told you about it and he does he's great he's also Realize he was fucking Superboy in the Teen Titans, not Teen Titans, fucking um Young Justice cartoon. Oh yeah. Out, I'm like, oh my god, that's so obviously him. I can't believe I didn't notice that. He's also but Stephen like, Heck in, in Alpha Protocol, but you can sort of tell it's him with that role. But he's he does a really good job with it. Yeah, having a kid, um, I hear Jennifer Hale so much just pop up randomly. Um, she's uh, Killer Frost in Batman. Um, she's all over the place. The new X Men. She's Jean like, Grey. They- which Batman is she killing? Brave and the to? Bold. Okay, because that used to be Laurie Petty. Yeah, she she did. No, uh, Laurie Petty was the electric chick. My bad. Never mind. Ignore me. She she pops up. She's on Scooby Doo. She's on. I mean, you just hear her voice everywhere, and she's been well, some pretty. I, 
iconic game voices too. Um, she was uh, Rosalind in Bioshock Infinite, one of the twins. Yeah, and um, she also yeah. pops up in um, a couple different other places. She's Leah in Diablo Three too. So yeah. I mean, like you, she's you the mom voice. from Broken Age. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. Hear she's her Bastula voice in the Star Wars Coder games. This one I think was kind of um, you know the she did main Krem. playable character in Verona. Yeah, and, and she did Krem in Dragon Age. Yeah, that's uh, a slightly different voice where she's yeah, putting on the British like accent, a deeper yeah kind of British thing. So yeah, you I hear mean, her everywhere. Yeah, so yeah, she's she's kind of all over the map, and I mean, there's not just Jennifer Hale in in Mass Effect. There are a whole bunch of of voice actors doing putting on a bunch of really great performances. Um, like, uh, Ali Hillis, who does Liara, that's a really good performance that evolves over the course of the trilogy, um, and goes from being sort of timid at the start to being a lot more confident, uh, in Mass Effect 3, for instance. You know, I was kind of surprised, I, there's a lot of good voices, don't get me wrong, but I really liked, um, uh, Courtney Taylor, Courtney, I think it's, uh, as Jack. That was one of those voices that I think if you messed up, really could have, you know, made that character seem kind of corny. Um, yeah, her, her character could have. Yeah, her character could have very easily been shitty. Yeah, but I mean, there was something about that voice where, as she did it, and she was the voice of the female character in Fallout Four. Um, her voice is kind of—it's hard to explain, but like you can kind of hear behind Jack, like there's a little bit of vulnerability or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's not just all oh, I'm tough, I'm badass. There's a little bit of, of, of worry to how she says things, especially when you're guiding through the uh, the kids in Mass Effect 3. You know that mission where you've got to get her charges out or whatever you want to call them. Oh, yeah, she's she's running, teacher. yeah, she's running that academy. Um, you can really kind of hear it behind her voice acting. Like she's confident and she's cocky, but there's also kind of a little bit more behind it. Um, her voice acting, I think, was kind of, if I had to say, like a minor character or, or a companion that really was better than average it was that one one of the yeah. voice actors one of the probably the most surprising voice actor for me in that game was fuck freddy prince jr is a really good yeah. voice actor <laughs> yeah. he's really good yeah yeah, I, yeah. Like, like i expected I vega was going to be just like the worst and it turns out um freddy prince jr also- pulls out this like this nice like mix of, of casual and emotional performance. and he's great in inquisition too yeah yeah, he's like, he's yeah, uh, he's Iron Bull. Everything. He's yeah, great he's enough. really good as Iron Bull. Stop with cartoon. I think being a fan helps him. Honestly, um, you know, being a fan of the games and the series, I think it gives him a little bit of an edge. But yeah, there, there's. I, I mean, to want to talk about a voice cast though. Mass Effect has a, a fantastic cast. They even get good performances out of the famous voices. You know what I mean? Like how like every now and then they're like, oh well, that's obviously. Um, Keith David, you know, but he still does a really good job, and they have Claudia Black in there because it's always does a really good job. Yeah, yeah, but like say Trisha Helfer, they got a really good voice performance out of her for Edie, which I wouldn't have expected. And looking at the IMD, even like uh, Yvonne Starovsky, I don't think she was ever a voice actress much. She's not really a voice actress. She did, uh, I think, she did the main character in the Third Birthday, (laughs) but other than that, she's just not really. Like a voice actress. She's a I think it really, yeah. I think it really helped oh. that they didn't ever try to make her cover up her accent. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, just be Australian. Just yeah. don't even try to bother. Just go for it. We want you to be good, she, she not trying to like, cover up. She actually does a really good American accent. If you hear her on Chuck, 
Um, but yeah. Oh yeah, I, 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 oh yeah, Dexter. She does a great, great American accent. Everyone should watch that. All right. Just kidding. Let's not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she's actually. Um, I think it's it's best to keep her natural accent there. Works pretty well. Um, uh, the one voice actor that I think actually kind of sucked though is uh shit I forgot her character's name because I kicked her off but the fucking reporter in number three. Oh, Chobot, Jessica Chobot. I was about Jessica to make Chobot. a joke about her, but she's yeah. not great. But I, yeah. I, and it's I think it says something that I completely forgot about her character until this conversation. Yeah, she didn't like, I basically met her the first time, and she's like, hey, can I come on your ship? No, fuck off. And that was the last <laughs> I saw of her. Yeah. I think I led her on the ship and just didn't, and was just mean to her the entire time. It was like my only like, renegade moments. God, there was so much embarrassing stuff. Like, some people were saying on Twitter, like, oh my god, you're in the game, I'm your biggest fan, I'm gonna set up a new game just and not romance anybody just so I can romance you. I'm like, oh my god, please calm down. She's a good uh, reporter, yikes. but I think they just had her on there for a little. I don't know. I don't know if it was celebrity or what, but I don't who know. Is she, who is she a reporter for? I I never had with like massive air quotes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I had never heard of her, and I remember when they announced her. Hey, Jessica Chobis gonna be I'm like who? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I didn't really care either way. It wasn't like a big part of the experience. Um, but yeah, they man, there's so many good good performances here. Uh, this has turned into the Mass Effect voice performance review podcast. Well, I mean, I, the two the uh, the two big ones, right, that are outside of the main characters are going to be Martin Sheen and Lance Henriksen, right? And yeah, I don't think great. Martin Sheen gives a shit about video games, but man, he was great as the elusive man. I don't know Perfect how choice. they, yeah, I don't know how they prepared him for that role or told him like, hey, here's kind of the mindset you need to get in or whatever. But man, he was so convincing as just this shadowy you know, Illuminati type guy. And, um, I, I loved him. I, I loved hearing his voice. Uh, and then Lance Henriksen was, uh, Admiral Hackett. And he's yeah. kind of like one of those, like, he's basically the voice that you hear all through three for that beginning part. Um, Shepard, we need you to go to the, <laughs> yeah. we need to go to the nebula. We need you to kill a bunch of biotic terrorists. Come on, Shepard. <laughs> yeah. And he does a, a really good job with it. Also, like, fucking Seth Green as Joker? Yeah. Who would have thought that would have worked? God, that's another one that if if they hadn't, if maybe, if they, it could have been so easier for them to turn him into just the fucking worst. Yeah. He's not. He's actually um, pretty funny. Like, yeah, if he could have just been, like, the comedic relief or whatever. No, I mean, he, they keep him, they give him a story. He's not just the guy who pops up to be funny all the time. Like, yeah, he's definitely the comic relief, but he does, like, he's an actual character with an actual personality. Yeah. Which and that, a large part of that is Holy Seth Green's performance. Carrie Ann Moss was in it. Yeah, yeah. Area. She's our Flo. I did not realize she was Carrie Ann Moss. Sorry, I've got the IMDb page open. <laughs> just like fuck. Yeah, just like the rest of us, we all roll scan the IMDb page for it right now. Um, yeah, they had, they got a really good performance out, Brian of, out of Carrie Ann Moss. Who's in it? Wait, Brian Bloom was Brian Bloom played uh, the multiplayer announcer, the Alliance medic, additional voices, and Donna Vosk. I don't even know who the fuck that is. He's also, I believe, Kasumi's uh, love interest in the DLC. Kenji. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I know we were gonna. One of the things we want to talk about was our favorite characters. So don't don't ruin Kasumi for me because that's gonna be mine. Yeah, Kasumi. I mean, yeah, Kasumi is is like a really interesting. 
character. Well, I don't remember her like super well because I played Mass Effect Two a long time ago, and she only briefly appears in Mass Effect Three. But I've, I always did, sort of who found did her the vo- Yeah, sorry, who did the voice uh, Florence for the Australian merc- mercenary in Two? Oh, of Zaid. Yeah, Zaid. Who did the voice for him? I, I liked him. I th- thought it was a shame that he was such an asshole when I left him to die. <laughs> Robin Socks. I've never heard of him. Uh, Neither have I. What has he been in? Australia? I don't know uh, where he's from, but he's been in a bunch of Bioware games and SpongeBob SquarePants. So, <laughs> so uh, I know his don't voice, think act, him is Australian. The voice actor he's, died. He's Australian. Oh, wait. Oh, he is dead. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, I oh, geez. Well, he yeah. was well, he was great as Zaid, so. He definitely sounded like he was living hard. I mean, the, the way that yeah, he did that voice. Yeah. Yeah, he died like a year after Mass Effect 3 was released. Oh, jeez. I guess that's why he doesn't have a... Oh, wait, no, he was in Mass Effect 3, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I don't know, because so like I said, they probably, I, I, was, like, I was so paragon that I had the choice to just leave him to die, which was actually pretty interesting. Oh. Um, so, to, to, I guess, transition to, to Kasumi, and I think it's weird because she was a DLC-only character, um, and I love... That's my favorite character that's not a shepherd in the whole series. Um, I, I love that her her plot. I love that they took some chances in her missions. It wasn't all combat. You guys remember that mission where you have to, like, yeah, you're at the up. party and you have yeah, to, you have to sort of investigate. The, yeah, the... I love that mission. I love that you were stealing the memories of you know the man she loved, and and then there's that that thing at the end where it says you know what should I do with this? Should I listen to this? Should I keep this? Should I you know throw it out the airlock or whatever? And you kind of get to weigh in on what what do you think about you know, is it worth her continuing to his memory and having it, or should she just kind of get over him? Basically, um, I, I really like that story and that plotline. She was one of the coolest characters to play with. Um, her combat skills were really, really fun, and I don't think they had a real rogue type character up to that point. At least that I can't really remember. You know, that kind of invisibility type. Well, that shadow was um, strike. Shepard, if you wanted. Yeah, yeah like you can turn on the invisibility cloak. Yeah, she was actually, she was, yeah, she was filling a role that you weren't really able to fill with other party members if you if your shepherd wasn't specked in that direction. She was yeah. really good. I liked her personality a lot too. Uh, it was weird to me yeah. that they made her I like a little cheeky. Only. Yeah, I like that. I like that her personality is a little cheeky, and she's mm-hmm. she's a little fun. Um, that Weird. character could have easily been really super serious, and it would have been justified by her backstory. But I like that they took her in a fun direction. Yeah, and, and I, she's got she's got that crush on Jacob. She keeps talking about, you know, like, hey, do you think Jacob's into Japanese girls that are are into kleptomania or something like that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's just kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, she was probably my favorite character. And I, I think the one thing I want to point out, I think it was, you know, a real big mistake that and now, I mean, you can only buy the whatever edition you know the complete edition or whatever but to lock those kind of really good characters behind dlc like zaid and kasumi i think was kind of a mistake um talking about yeah. characters what about javis yeah, yeah. Say, javik yeah javik yeah. Yeah. jarvis Trophian, <laughs> dlc he's a massive dick too yeah but i love how much of a dick he is it's great he has such a big um uh role in the story <laughs> Yeah. yeah, if you bring him along, it's like, oh, well, 
hey, here, how about we ask this Prothean what's going on here? And he's like, yeah, this is screwed up. I always hey. felt a little weird that like that there were so few options for other people to to recognize that you had a Prothean in your party. Like this should be like galaxy wide yeah. news. Protheans are alive. We have one. Oh my god, what <laughs> what can we learn from him? Everyone's like, eh, what are you? You're a Prothean? Huh, that's weird. Huh. Yeah, it, it's it's really weird to me that that they went that direction. And of course, if you guys remember the way Mass Effect used to do their DLC, it was a fucking mess. You had to buy Bioware points through the Bioware store and you you couldn't just like, so like if a DLC was like five 99, right? You couldn't buy $5 and 99 cents worth of Bioware points. You had to buy 1500 Bioware points for $10. And then you ended up with like 250 Bioware points left over that you couldn't do anything with. Cause there was really you'd no end up buying like shitty weapon packs. You're like, yeah. I don't want a fucking weapon pack. Yeah. I just want to play, I just want to play the goddamn game. Yeah, or I, I want Javik, or I want, you know, all these other characters. I just hated the way they did that system. I'm really glad they, I mean, I don't know if EA told them to quit doing that shit, um, but around three, they stopped doing that. I think that. it would have been EA that was telling them to do it in the first place. Uh, no, no, I mean, this was, it used to be you would buy it through the Bioware site. Like, you would go to Bioware and buy your Bioware points. It was all, like, incorporated through the forums. It was really fucking horrible. Um, yeah, but yeah, they they kind of fixed all that. Yeah, but the BioWare site was linked to the EA one because I remember I had to do that to get my fucking collector's armor in Dragon Age Two. Yeah, and then you're right. You had to add the BioWare points on the BioWare site and then go through EA Origins and buy buy whatever you wanted with BioWare points that were on your account through BioWare. Just a total fucking mess that didn't need yeah. to ever exist. Just let me fucking pay money to Origin. Yeah. As, as much as I, much as we all bag on Origin and they deserve a fair ton of bagging, like they, they are massively improved over what they used to be. I love Origin. I, 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 we were talking about it not too long ago. I said Origin is probably the best digital service right now. And I mean, I know Steam's the biggest and Steam's the the big dog, but man, everything we turned about this into a shitting so on Steam here. podcast because I love those podcasts. <laughs> oh, we do all the time. <laughs> I think we shit on Steam at like every second podcast because <laughs> there's a lot to like about Steam, but they haven't supported its features all that well, no. unfortunately. And their customer service is garbage, which I had to oh, deal with once. Where, where my garbage. account got hacked by people from Russia. I didn't even realize they had customer service. And their customer <laughs> service is total fucking garbage. So here, here's my origin story. This is actually Mass Effect related. I, I have Mass Effect 1 on Steam. And they did this thing a while back where you could transfer over your Steam codes to Origin and get the game available on Origin, right? Same game, just, you know, on Origin. So I did that, and then uh, I went to go play Mass Effect in my replay, and I said, hey, I don't have Bring Down the Sky, which is one of the most inconsequential DLCs ever. You know, it's not much to it. Which one was that? That's the, that's the, that's that's the, the big DLC one. for Mass Effect 1. Well, there are two DLCs. Oh, There's Pentacle Station, and that's the yeah. one on the moon, right, with the Batarians. Yeah. yeah, this one is the one where the asteroid has uh, thrusters on it, and they're going to ram the asteroid into, I can't remember what, it's, you know... They're gonna it's ram the asteroid to a planet, and you gotta stop. The, and at the end, you get a choice of either either chase the terrorist down and kill him, or save the hostage. Yeah, it's pretty inconsequential, honestly. I mean, it comes back up randomly in Mass Effect Three, but it's not a big deal. Um, but anyway, so I I contacted. It. Is it the only place Batarians are in the first game? Otherwise, you don't realize they exist. Yeah, basically. Yeah, um, yeah so it, I, I did find it weird that the first game talked a lot because you know I played a I played I played guy with a Paragon background. It's like, oh, I killed a bunch of Batarians when they tried to raid Elysium or whatever, and I'm like, oh, we're that's cool. These Batarians sound pretty crazy. I wonder when we'll see them. Crickets. <laughs> 
so I, I uh, emailed uh, Origin Support and I said, hey, I'm missing Bring Down the Sky DLC. And they said, sure. And they just upgraded me to a free uh, full Game of the Year edition in two minutes. And it was in my account and everything. And I, was, I was playing it an hour later. I mean, I didn't have to go look for old CD keys. I didn't have to prove anything. They're just like, yeah, sure. Here's your DLC. Um, it's kind of refreshing sometimes, you know, when companies like that just take your word for it rather than make you produce all these crazy documents that they know you're not going to have. Um, so I, ever yeah. since then, I've, I've kind and of... they can see, like, the code linked to your account. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, I mean, he's got Mass Effect. Why not just give him Bring Down the Sky? So, um, but yeah, the, real big mistake, I think, for how they did DLC in the past to how they did it now, especially when you've got so many cool characters that, depending on whether or not people played it at release or, or things like that, they might not, not have ever experienced that character, you know? Like, yeah, i got to say, you were talking about Kasumi, and I had, like, no memories of Kasumi, because I played it once at release, then g- put it in again, downloaded Kasumi, did her mission, and then stopped playing, because, mm-hmm. like, played with her for, like, what, 20 minutes to do a loyalty mission, and that's it. There's nothing more to do. Yeah, and a, a lot of times, you know, those those post-release, like, Kasumi came out in April, and the game came out in, what, January, right? So... If you play the game at launch and beat it, you might not go back to go play one character's arc. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Well, I'm the crazy person for replaying the games over and over again as different characters. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> Most people just play through it once. Yeah, like well, I've only played through two and three once. The Leviathan DLC for Mass Effect Three that has like really important plot information in it that didn't come yes. out until months. Yeah, it explains game. what the Reapers are. Okay, I'm going to take issue with that because I don't like the explanation they gave. And I liked it better when the Reapers were some unknowable force. Oh, I but love now they're just like a fucking rogue AI. Who gives a shit? I love the Leviathans. I mean, the, the Reapers are still a rogue AI. They're just patterned on the Leviathans. That's yeah, the thing. Well, I, I, didn't mean, need, I didn't need that mystery answer. I, I love me? That. I love That's one of my favorite DLCs. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite it's got got some good yeah. missions in it. It's got a really good payoff. I think yeah. like the also introducing the idea that there are like these giant god creatures like living under the ocean of some planets is awesome as fuck. Yeah, it, like the idea that there, there's something even worse or more scary than the Reapers that has been like dormant, like basically hiding out from all this other shit that's been going on, doing who knows what. And, you know, like there's that scene at the end where they start to kind of emerge from the water. And like you at first you think it's like maybe one or two. And then you start to see all of them start to rise up. Uh, very, very cool scene. Um, and I, I don't know if they're going to show back up. You know, who knows if they will in uh, Andromeda. But a really cool big bad to build up towards because, I mean, Reapers had a lot going on with their AI, you know, and their human humanity versus uh, machine type thing going on. But. Leviathan seem to kind of just do what they want to just because they can. Um, kind of like, you know, malevolent god kind of things. Man, if we're going to get into this, are we going to get into the fucking ending? Because we kind of need to talk about that, don't we? <laughs> I, have I, I, so guess. Many, I have so many feelings on Mass Effect 3 in general. Honestly, I, as much as I love the whole Mass Effect saga, I think 3 has a lot more problems than just besides the ending. I mean, but I think the ending is the most, like egregious problem in that game I, was, I, I have i have i like some things about the ending and i hate other things about the ending well yeah sure why don't we get into it we're gonna have to. i don't know i mean my feelings in the ending were just like i played it before the extended cut came out i've actually never seen the redone ending 
I only so, played the extended cut, so yeah. So, so I'm coming at this. Oh, okay. I oh, yeah, I can see why you don't think it's that bad then, because <laughs> the extended cut fixes a lot. Yeah, it does. No, I, like I haven't seen the extended cuts, uh, and even without having seen it, I thought the ending was just like okay. It didn't ruin my life or anything. It was like, oh, the game's over now. Yeah, I, and I just kind of moved on with my life. Same thing. Same thing as me. I thought the ending was okay. I didn't think it deserved anywhere near. The amount of internet hate it got, it was so disproportionate, you know. The petition <laughs> for people like we need we want to petition Bioware to go back and fix him, like fuck you. No, they wanted like people to be like fired. Like they wanted like you know, like writers, you know, drawn and quartered in the city square. I mean, I it was never gonna be a happy ending, right? Let's just start from that point, right? The whole yeah, theme I of think they were like, yeah. The whole theme of three is sacrifice, right? I mean, like each game has kind of its own like theme. Um, you know, like identities for two and, you know, like who are you in the universe, stuff like that. One is like humanity versus aliens. There's kind of like a the weird xenophobia going on there. Three is all about sacrifice, right? You watch all these important characters make huge decisions one way or another, you know, obviously Morden, um, you know, you've got Thane kind of just fading away. All, all these characters are, are are making their own little version of like coming to terms with the end. There was no way that game ends on a happy note, right? Where your shepherd saves the galaxy and you're all just sitting there posing for a picture, right? Um, so, I mean, in that sense, I didn't mind that they killed off or, you know, at least, you know, seemingly killed off Shepard. That wasn't one of my complaints. Um, I, I didn't like how they handled the elusive man. I don't. I didn't like him showing up back at the end. I thought that was kind of... I don't know, overdone. Yeah, I, them them messing with his character is one of my biggest problems with the ending. It really yeah. felt like they just they just wanted to shoehorn him as the big bad, which is just makes it you already have a big bad, the Reapers. You don't need two big bads. You're fine yeah, with one. It, 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 he didn't need to be there. And I thought Anderson's whole point I, I would have liked it better if it was just you up there kind of making that decision on your own. I was I was okay with the three decisions because I think one of them was was a false decision. There's no way you make peace with the Reapers, right? Like, I don't know anybody who chose that one. Most people either want Destroyer Synthesis, right? I went I mean, Control. Oh, you I did? Control's I mean, an awesome ending. But, you don't but, make peace with the Reapers. Not that fucking all. But control um, is, Control's like what Elusive Man's always wanted to do, right? So, I mean, you've always been like, you can't do this. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like one of those things where like it didn't, it didn't seem like to me like it would work because then it proved the Elusive Man right and the whole series was kind of, you know... a. Space okay, here was dream. my reason for choosing control that I went with. Okay, destroys fucked up, obviously, because I was bros with the get. I don't want to kill them all. Um, synthesis seemed a lot like forcing a piece on people that they didn't come to naturally, if you know what I mean. Right. Like, it's you deciding everyone is now half robot, half organic. So, and everyone's just like, well, fuck, what's going on now? And control is the only one that left the people of the galaxy as they were to make their own decisions, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also went control just, for that exact reason. Yeah, you just get a fucking Shepard is now an army of Reapers. Also, it seemed it seemed to fit in with the rest of the game because like Shepard it's still the game is still explicit that Shepard is going to Shepard is going to basically be absorbed by the by the Reaper conscious. Shepard is still going to sacrifice himself. It, like none of them it, it it's very much seemed like you are you willing to give up yourself for the fate of Manny or are you going to take a cop out by forcing synthesis or just or destroy? Which I which I I I remember the the game being kind of iffy on whether destroy was even going to work. So I'm like, I'm not gonna pick this. 
I would I would destroy. I, it, it was the only thing that really made sense to me. Like, I just assuming that this is like a a cyclical thing that's always going to be around. It's always going to. There's only a matter of time if you control it before you start to use it for whatever means you want, right? I mean, you have that level of power, and you just want this thing gone from the universe, where you know future generations, ten million down years down the line, don't ever have to worry about the Reapers again. Um, so I mean, I saw the, the Reapers as a as a force that eventually would be used and exploited, and I thought the universe was kind of a better place without them. Um, you know, that's before Leviathan, <laughs> so I didn't know there was other worse stuff out there. Um, I went with. I went with synthesis because I could just run straight without having to turn. <laughs> Did anyone here just shoot the fucking kid? No. Does that work? It works yeah, in the extended sh- cut, but not oh. in the original. Oh, doesn't it work? Yeah, you can just shoot the fucking space kid. He's like, well, fuck you, and everyone dies. Oh, really? <laughs> that's pretty yeah, cool. That's, yeah, yeah, and then the ending is, you know how it comes to Buzz Aldrin talking about, like, oh, yeah. Shepard was so great. Instead, it's just, like, a ruined planet and that little recording, Liara makes you make yeah see i i know i I made the right one with this with destroy though because my shepherd breathed at the end and i know you guys didn't get to see that so uh i guess i made the right one my shepherd is the reaper so (laughs) yeah i I did like i mean my shepherd is half green now i think i don't really know what happened i didn't pay that much attention to the ending my shepherd is in the mind of one of the reapers i guess it was a little unclear on what exactly happened to him but i guess that's what happened Extended ending fixed so much, and the real ending of Mass Effect is Citadel, right? I mean, the ending of the Citadel DLC, where you guys have that party, and you know, that Citadel DLC feels so good. Yeah, I, have, oh, so I just played it. I wasn't one of the. I'm okay with the endings of Mass Effect. I hated the ending. Like it was one of those endings that I saw, and like when I first saw it, I was like, that was okay. And then the more I thought about it, the more I hated it. The more Citadel made me forgive all of that. It's fucking perfect yeah so i played citadel on the heels of having played omega and leviathan neither of which i liked at all citadel made me reminded me why i liked mass effect in the first place yeah citadel should have been in the base game honestly any like citadel is the best gaming experience i've ever had like it's flawless it starts. It starts out weird. It starts, you know, because people mostly remember the party stuff. Remember, it starts out with that weird, like chase scene all across the citadel. Where, That's well, though, like yeah. you get to actually go on with your entire squad, and Rex is back. Yeah, like yeah. fuck yes. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about it that's so that's so good about Citadel is we don't normally talk about Mass Effect for having you know good gameplay mechanics, or good combat, or great level design. And if you play Citadel back to back with the other DLCs, you can see the effect that having, you know, great art direction and good level design, good combat encounters has on the game. Because Citadel has all that in spades. Like, the level design is really, really good when you compare it to running through, like, the, the metallic gray corridors of, say, Omega. Um, and the combat encounters with the verticality, um, Adds it adds just this extra element that isn't there in uh, in the other DLCs. So like even from the standpoint of just like interacting with the game, it's it's far superior. Yeah, and I I, I think that they are learning. I, I really think that Bioware as a company is learning from so many mistakes, um, you know, of the past. And I think you see it in Dragon Age and um, and Mass Effect kind of coming together at the same time, the way they are. Um, one team teaches the other team or makes the mistakes, the other team doesn't make them. Um, 
you know, Dragon Age had that. Because I did not like Inquisition. <laughs> well, but Inquisition has a, has a fairly concise ending, at least, you know, where I mean, it's like, and then it, ha- it builds on the ending through DLC. Um, you know, it, it, it really though the ending was just, hey, Silas is fucking weird, and Solus, you mean? I like I said, I didn't really like the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't played the DLC for Inquisition yet, so I'm still... The, the, the Trespasser DLC is very, very good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't played it yet, um, but I'm going to get around to it eventually once... I, I, I ended up very much liking Inquisition, even though I had a lot of problems with the way its open world is laid out. It felt like a 30-hour game being stretched out to 80 hours because of how big the world was and didn't really need to be open world. Yeah, like, and I've... that's... that's... I mean, we'll get into that a, a little bit later. That's sort of my fear with Andromeda, um, that I don't really, I don't really think Mass Effect thrives in an open environment. But maybe I'll be proven wrong. Well, I, if we want to go right into Andromeda, I mean, I think it, I think there's a chance. Um, they, they've been talking a lot about a lot less focus on things like combat and a lot more focus on things like diplomacy and um, and and building up your relationship with allies and things like that. Uh, they basically said that there's a lot of part portions of the game where you can just basically, you know, bypass entire quest lines by just building up relationships with the right people or the right allies. So it seems like they kind of learned that, you know, that that's what people want, uh, which is, I think, a lesson from where Dragon Age went with some of their stuff with, you know, getting the world ready to fight the Inquisition. Um, you know, do you choose the Templars or the Mages? So I think I think that's something that they're kind of learning as well in Mass Effect. Um, but I'll be interested to see where what they actually do in terms of exploration being a valid strategy or diplomacy being a valid strategy. Not everything's where you yourself need to go land on a planet and fix shit. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Also, you have a car, which will make it way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a, yeah, you got a space car. It's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, you could ride around in a moose in Inquisition if you wanted to. <laughs> One of your squad mates has a space pixie cut. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I, I think space pixie cut. Andromeda to me is 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 a necessity, right? You need to make a clean break. You can't continue the Shepherd story anymore. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, Mass Effect Three is like we all talked about the different, the like whatever choice you make, the world, the world state ends up very differently. Like everyone could yeah, be like, dead. There is no way you can, or everyone could be a robot. Right, and what gets me most excited, I would say, about Andromeda is the, the not just the first game. But as the beginning of, let's say, like a new trilogy, you know, you find that perfect planet and you start to build a planet from scratch. Think about where that ends up three games from now. You know what I mean? Like, think about if you're building the Citadel and you get to see the progress and and, and how that goes yeah. from from game one to game three. That That's going to be really cool stuff. Yeah. You want to talk you about know, the choices you make in the first game having a visible impact in three. Like, yeah, like, hey, remember when I told this one guy to do this one thing about this base in the first one? Well, there's game three and holy shit, look what yeah, came of that. It's yeah, now we have an yeah. entirely new city. Well, you know what I want to see, really, is... Pardon, pardon me? No, I don't know. It was just a dumb joke. So, well, you know what I really want to see in uh, eventually from Bioware is I want to see a sequel to Mass Effect Andromeda set, say, a hundred years after it because i want to see the effect like i want to see the civilization that results from yeah andromeda th- that's exactly what i'm getting like mass effect one through three you know the shepherd trilogy or whatever you want to call it um it's a story of humanity joining something that's already in progress right like there's already right. a citadel there's already a council yeah. there's already specters there everybody knows all the aliens that already exist 
Um, Mass Effect Andromeda is all exploration. It's kind of the opposite, right? I mean, you you have your alien friends that you travel there with that that you know know the old world or the old area, but everything there is all new. You're the first person to see this. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some civilizations and stuff like that, but I mean, everything you do is going to be leaving a mark for games to come. Um, yeah, which I, I, I mean, think is going to be it's awesome. sort of a it's sort of a double edged sword, right? Because there's this there's the novelty. And novelty is, is is a good thing, but there's also all this lore they've built up. And one of the things that's really intriguing about the original trilogy is um, the richness of the politics and the way the different races and aliens relate to each other. And I mean, you're we're, you're not walking into um, a world where that's uninhabited. You are meeting um, the existing uh, races that live in the Andromeda galaxy. Uh, but you're sort of walking in on something that's not well established or that you don't really understand that well. Whereas you have a wealth of information already about, um, the world that humanity has entered recently. So you're coming at it from a different perspective. And I don't know if it's going to have the same richness, um, as the original trilogy in terms of, uh, the, the political relationship. Yeah. Let's hope it doesn't fall into the Star Trek races. Voyager problem. <laughs> well, I, I think what they want to do is I think they want to introduce you to these new alien species and then say, OK, friend or foe, you know, you make that decision. You know, these guys have the only habitable planet. Do you want to wage war on them and take it from them or do you want to peacefully coexist with them? And then, you know, over a series of games, what does that decision look like? Um, you know, th- things like that might be I'm not saying they're going to do that, but that 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 could be some ways that they could if they really want to flesh out that building an ally scenario yeah and the way i see it like the world you're going into andromeda you say like there's all like the political backstory and everything in the fucking milky way galaxy but when you get into the andromeda galaxy there are still going to be the aliens they will still have like relationships with each other because they are spacefaring aliens so it will still have that it's just that you won't be aware of it it'll be something you discover as the game goes through not you start the game and suddenly have 400 codex entries to read to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, just imagine that, like, so you you land and it's like, okay, do you take the side of the Geth or the Quarians? Or do you take the side of the Krogans or the um, whatever? Quarians. Yeah. I mean, you, you make that decision right then, um, which I think could be kind of interesting. You see how it plays out. You know, okay, so, okay, yeah, we wiped out whatever the new Krogans are, and now that we're having to face you know, whatever Leviathans, you know, was that a right decision or a wrong decision? Who knows? Um, so I, I think, I think the, the legacy of what Mass Effect is, is not one game, right? It's, it's making decisions and seeing how that plays out over a series. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't think of Mass Effect as one game anymore. It's almost like a MMO or something where like the story just keeps continuing, keeps going on. And yeah, this is a, a break, but the promise and what the series is all about to me is still there which is where you keep telling the, the same story and where it goes from there, not just make one decision and, okay, well, that's how this played out in this one game. Okay, the end. Um, it, it's seen where it all ends up, you know, by the, by, the, by the last second of the story, I guess. Yeah, have they announced that they're going to do... I mean, they, all, they almost obviously will, but have they announced that they're going to make like a direct sequel to Andromeda? No, like, they, is Ryder going to appear again? Or? They play a lot of that stuff very tight lipped. Like I don't even think they've announced the sequel to Dragon Age yet. I mean, like Bioware tends to do the, hey, we've been working on this game for five years. It's going to come out next spring. You know, like they don't they don't really tend to build that hype machine too long. 
um, like a lot of other companies do. Yeah, they they played Andromeda really close to the vest. It was almost, it was really weird. They announced it fairly early and then basically went radio silent yep. on it for. I, I almost wonder. That was EA, I almost awful. Wonder, yeah. I wonder if EA forced them to announce it so early because they clearly seemed uncomfortable talking about a game where they didn't really have anything to show. Yeah. And then the radio silence was like, we're, we're going to come back to you in a year when we actually have something to show. And it, it almost seemed the implicit, EA made us told you that we had a game <laughs> coming out, but we didn't well, want to tell well, you. They did that. Oh, God. Three years in a row, didn't they? Because the very first announcement was just an environment and there was a model of a Krogan. And yep. that was it. I was like, yep, Mass Effect. That's pretty cool, right? The announcement was... Fucking! It was just the like over-the-shoulder camera footage of people working at desks, and then but, I think the third year was you saw like snippets of like two or three seconds of gameplay, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, everybody assumes that they're working on one, right? I mean, like, I, I, it's not the kind of thing you need to announce. I think you just announce, okay, yeah, here comes the new Dragon Age. You knew we were working on it. It's going to be out in March. Uh, you know, it's not like the kind of series where like. Gee, I wonder if they're going to keep printing money. You know, like, yes, of course they're going to make a sequel. Um, you know, there's going to be another Elder Scrolls. There's going to be another, you know, name one of those. There's going to be another Halo. Uh, you just assume. Yeah. I think with Mass I gotta Effect, say, I gotta say, exactly a legitimate reason to announce it because Mass Effect Three ended so definitively. Like, mm-hmm. you could very easily go like Mass Effect's done. We're starting a new franchise. Like, and it would probably sell just as well with from the makers of Mass Effect written on it. Yep, and it's called Grass Direct. <laughs> it's about weed, it's it's about weed business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could they could do what they what they did with say what say CD Projekt Red is doing with Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and just say this thing exists, and we're not going to talk about it until we're ready, and then just go silent. And well, how long ago did they announce that trailer? Uh, yeah, that, that's been 2077. A, a that, was a hype, that was a hype trailer too. I'm like, whoa, this gives this is excited for the game. What's the game about? Oh, we're not going to tell you for like three years. I do think that uh, you know, I, I, on Google, I, I know everybody loves Witcher far more than I do, but I do kind of feel like okay, so they they made their Dragon Age series, now they're making their Mass Effect series. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it does kind of feel a little derivative to me. I'm excited to play it, and I'll definitely play it, but I'm like, I can't help but notice. It's, it's, it's probably more like their Deus Ex. It's, it's uh, very, you know, it's Cyberpunk and Witch existed way before video games, though, right? Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's, it's, just, something, it's just something about them. I, I just, I never really, as a company, I just reflexively don't so, like CD Projekt Red for some reason. That you're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never, I I've never played The Witcher. I can't judge. Okay, um, even if you don't like their game, CD Projekt Red are like the nicest company ever. Like they're too good for. We don't deserve CD Projekt Red. Yeah, they were talking about like, oh god, someone was like tweeting, I'm like, oh god, your your god, the god version of Witcher Three got out, and people are pirating it like crazy, and they're like, eh, maybe that'll convert us to buy our game. What are you gonna do? Eh. When they announced the like big special edition of The Witcher that had all the extra content and everything, and people were like, "Oh, but I already bought The Witcher. I don't want to like have to pay for this again." They're like, "Of course you're not going to pay for it again. You get it for free if you have The Witcher." Yeah, but lots like, of companies do that now. I mean, Skyrim did that with their extended version. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess just for me, I, I used to be really big into Abandonware games um, way back in the day. You guys know what Abandonware is, right? Like yeah. games. So and then many um, were and couldn't afford games, so you got all the old games. Yeah, so then CD Projekt Red bought good old games, um, which used to be kind of like an abandoned warehaven, and they kind of monetized a lot of this. So now instead of getting 
you know, Heroes of Might and Magic 3 for free. Now you pay two ninety nine or whatever to them, which I guess is a thing. But, um, you know, it just kind of always left me, like, with a feeling of, like... Well, it made the gray market. $2.99 for fucking Heroes of Might and Magic, and it works on Windows 10 now. I remember Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, they, they, we, we went in and make sure this isn't going to fucking break your Windows install if you install it. Oh, I mean, well, why don't they do that with the longest journey then? Because that <laughs> thing is still fucking broken. Uh, but yeah, I, I they definitely made the gray market a lot less gray. Yeah, that's that's true. Anyway, back back to Mass Effect. It's my my CD project rant. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. Wanted to say about Mass Effect. One thing I think with the big open world and everything that I think is going to be way better about Andromeda than was in Inquisition is the combat looks really good in Andromeda. I agree. I was surprised. You're surprised that I, that I wasn't too excited yes. about it. I, I was like, yeah, I thought, yeah. I was like, yeah they've made some strides with their shooter controls in Mass Effect. Mass Effect 3, I noticed, felt noticeably snappier and it felt a lot, the shooting felt a lot meatier. And I've talked about meaty shooting before on this podcast. But like, yeah, Mass Effect, har, har, har. yeah, it looks fast, looks fun, looks, yeah, it looks like they've really, <laughs> anyway, especially after Inquisition's combat was never anything better than, well, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's the thing. They've shown off some, I'm not sure if it's the actual combat mechanics in and of itself or if they've just shown off some really uninteresting gameplay. Cause they've shown off some combat encounters that look pretty neat. And they showed off this, this combat encounter from this really rocky area that looked like really Boring. Uh, there's it a pretty like, good down piece by piece, like in their combat trailer thing. Yeah, that's that's the one I'm I'm thinking about. I don't know if you saw that combat trailer one, but it shows like how to uh, attack the same situation like three or four different ways. Like they've actually built in melee fighting now. That's actually a thing. Or you can snipe, of course. Or it shows like all the biotics and all the the different things. I think it was part of the Andromeda Initiative video series. Um, yeah. It, it- so I, I'm thinking of like the original gameplay trailer versus I think they showed off some of one of the characters' loyalty missions. Um, and, yeah, uh, I would I would really say go watch that combat video if you can find it. There's there's one that's I've like, seen, I saw that one. Okay, I actually I actually was not like super impressed. It seemed like it it seemed maybe it's just the way they were playing it, but it seemed like they weren't doing anything much differently from Mass Effect Three other than using a jetpack occasionally. Yeah, I mean. Oh, I, and- I, Air dashes make any game better. <laughs> yeah, as I, we know from from uh, from Dishonored and the blink move. I really like the way that they're actually making melee combat a thing. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of my rider being a a big dumb space idiot who, who goes around <laughs> hitting things with a hammer. I, I don't know. Like, oh, you're the pathfinder, the representative of humanity. On you know, and then you yeah. just run around being a barbarian. Scott Ryder, played by Ryan Lochte. <laughs> space barbarian might be my new shepherd um so yeah i mean the, the thing to me about mass effect that i wanted to see from combat which i did see and then i kind of i've been kind of like i mentioned earlier you know separating myself from watching some of the stuff um is that they're they're letting you play different play styles because um, that's how mass effect to me grows and changes is by letting you be a space diplomat or be a space barbarian or you know like things like that, that that's what makes the game more fun to play your way um you know, if the right answer is that everything's easier by sniping, well, then that kind of sucks because that means everybody's going to snipe. Yeah. Um, right. Like, it means they haven't you... balanced the game properly. Well, I mean, look at like um, Night Enchanter in, in Dragon Age. I mean, people like 
it is the class to play if you want to beat dragons. And so, like, whenever people are like, oh, this game's too hard, everybody just says, oh, play a night enchanter. Um, yeah, I, you just I, use your magic sword. Yeah, and... exactly. I don't want to see that for Mass Effect. I want it to be like, you know, okay, well, how about, you know, bring in your allies that you made two planets ago or whatever. That, that to me, is more interesting than just get, get good at combat. Um, and Mass Effect, I think, can pull that off a lot easier than Dragon Age can. Uh, I yeah. was gonna, I was gonna bring up, yeah, you brought it up earlier. I, the Mass Effects always, even though, even when the combat didn't feel very good, it always felt really well balanced. Like if you wanted to, you could play this as, a, as pretty much a biotic specialist. If you wanted to, you could bring in a team of all biotic people, and mm-hmm. you could make a go of it if well, you wanted to. Not the first game in the series, but definitely two and three, you could do that. Oh, the, the first yeah. game's combat was terrible. I mean, I oh, think yeah, they the realized sucked, that first game. right out the bat. I mean, it felt like like the kind of combat that you would put in an RPG, not the kind of combat you put in whatever. <laughs> I mean, like it, it was real. Like I, I always felt like there was some numbers being rolled behind the scenes. Cause I'd be like, that would look, that shot looked like it was on, you know, I don't know how I missed I remember it. But... There was a bit that always used to find how shitty the combat in, uh, Mass Effect one was, is, you know, that, uh, fuck, I think it's Vermeer, the level Vermeer? Shoot yeah. Rex. Yeah. Is that the one you shoot Rex? Yes. Yes. And yeah, then that's, panic that's and restart Rex, your games. Right. There is a bit in that where you can get your sniper rifle and zoom in on the dudes and, like, snipe them off and everything, right, when you're driving around in your fucking car, except the enemies render in before their hitboxes render in, so you can see people and shoot them, and it's impossible to hit them because they're too far away. Oh, yeah, and you're just uh, standing there like, what the, what the fuck? Yeah, was... I have a future space gun that the that the codex just told me regulates how powerful its shots are to hit where you're aiming at. This should <laughs> be happening. Like it's like a hundred meters away. Come on. I actually just played Mass Effect One with just a shotgun. It would just run up to things and shoot them right in the face, and everything died. It was that's how, that's how I played Mass Effect Two. Two is like, yeah, Vanguard. You just run in with the with the biotics and the shotgun. You just you just hit them with the biotic blast, and you run in and blow their faces yeah, off. Yeah, it's, it's the dumbest way to play. But like, if you're well, just trying to do a quick playthrough, that's the one to go with. Get an assault rifle in that game and get enough heat sinks on it so you can just hold down the fire button and it like <laughs> cools down faster than it heats up. Yeah, I mean, there was a, and Mass Effect 1 had lots of problems. Replaying the series, I mean, I was thinking, you know, even if just in technology terms, like think about how bad the inventory was in Mass Effect 1. Think about the way the map was always kind of like cluttered. I, I have a feeling that Andromeda is going to fix so much of that. Um, and I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. I remember when people were complaining in Mass Effect 2, like they took out too much of the stuff. Like it's not as much of an RPG. Like, oh, you remember the first game where you, oh, I picked up the ninth version of the thing where I'm carrying the eighth one. I guess I'll throw away all these eight ones now because they're yeah. useless. And it all yeah. looks just so much. I think, that, I think they did overcorrect for Mass Effect 2, but for Mass Effect 3, I think they brought back some of the RPG elements that were missing from Mass Effect 2. And I think they got the right balance there. I remember in Mass Effect 2 being really dirty that they got rid of, like, the Citadel, like, as a main hub, you can walk around and talk to people, and then I played Mass Effect 1 again, and oh my god, fuck the Citadel. Yeah, Just, uh, like, exactly. Just, like, that really <laughs> slow jog and taking, like, ten minutes to get anywhere, like, oh, I need to go talk to him! Yeah, the Mass Effect 1 didn't, movement didn't help, because you just, characters had such a weird weight on him, like, it felt like it took a, took a second or two for him to respond to anything you wanted to do, like, oh my god, hurry the hell up. Or like you're playing like and kind of only half paying attention. You accidentally run to the stores when you realize you're supposed to run to the the wards or whatever. You got to run all the way across the Citadel. Yeah, that stuff was oh, so horrible. Um, 
three three so balanced to me. I mean, three is right in that sweet spot between RPG and shooter that I don't. Oh, I, I have no complaints with how three plays. Like, yeah, they they really nailed it in a lot of aspects. I, I think where it really shines is in the multiplayer. I re- expected to hate the multiplayer and oh, just another tacked on multiplayer. But I mean, I played it well after I had 100% galactic readiness. I actually really liked it. Um, I leveled up my little Geth, whatever it was, infiltrator guy. Um, you know, with a sniper rifle and just play with people all day. And, um, you know, the, the multiplayer being a co-op is a smart, smart move because the kind of people who play Mass Effect, I don't think give a shit about leaderboards and kill death ratio and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that that's an RPG crowd for the most part. So that was smart to it's, make a co-op yeah. multiplayer. It's also has it also has one of the friendliest player bases oh, I've ever God, encountered yeah. in multiplayer. Yeah. Like, like, oh, people hey. are either silent or the only thing they'll say is good game or nice work. Yeah, I like when I was playing on. I, I played not too long ago when I replayed because I had to get my galactic readiness up. And there's still people who play. It's very, very active. Actually, I probably waited. Longest I probably waited was five minutes to find a game. But they'd be like, "Hey," uh, I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm new. I haven't played in a while." And they're like, "Oh, go to this sniper spot and just stay there." And uh, and like they will, they like build turrets around me so like I could control the map and stuff. It was very cool. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, it was. It was. It was weird to you know go from that to like doom or whatever else you know where people are just like it's <laughs> nice talking about this right people after i just, I just, right after I just finished yeah. playing battlefield one where yeah. <laughs> like the first thing like hey i i haven't played this map yet. get good noob get a sniper yeah. you suck you suck fucker go away yeah. blah 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 you suck and then people griefing me oh god fuck that game anyway <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't understand why people are like that you know it's it's a video it's a video game it's intended yeah. for entertainment but you know, Andromeda. I, I, I don't. I haven't heard if it has multiplayer yet. I, it does. It seems like okay. It does. I think they yeah. will. Yeah. Um, it's not similar to Mass Effect 3s, from what I've heard. Yeah, I haven't Good. looked into it, but I, I do know that it, they are going to have some kind of drop in and drop out co-op strike team thing. Um, that sounded really cool to me. I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's just the, the new name for what their their multiplayer is. Um, but I was I was excited about the prospect of you know putting together something and. You know, having people drop in on a mission with, you know, I don't know who it would be their version of writer or some kind of character you create or something like that. Um, like I said, I haven't been paying attention to actual some of the details as much as I have just the story and the world stuff. But um, the idea of a, of a drop in, drop out multiplayer to me is, is really, you know, a cool idea for a Mass Effect series. I wonder if that stuff carries over to some of the single player. I wonder, wonder if it would be able for me like, hey, I'm I'm having a real hard time with this mission. Hey, Kappa, could you come over and help me and you could that's, just drop into my game? That'd be great. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Something like a Dark Souls version, but instead of invading their world to kill them, you show up as, you know, some kind of alien and help them. Um, I, but I have Dark Souls except with the friends. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, and then I'll yell at you to get good, noob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know they they were demoing it. Uh-huh. Um, Having a look at no, it is a separate multiplayer mode, but is linked into the single player via a narrative context. Oh, a narrative huh. context. Okay, so then Dragon Age style, I guess. Hmm. All right. yeah. Shit, that game had multiplayer, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, be- I think I played it once and I didn't care for it, and I just never played it. It wasn't again. terrible. It just it just wasn't what I wanted out of it, especially after yeah, Mass Effect Three had good multiplayer. Dragon Age like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, because you know I was excited for the- Mass Effect canceled their multiplayer beta, um, kind of infamously uh, earlier this month. There's supposed to be one like I think now. Um, but they canceled it and a lot of people were like, oh, is this shit not ready or, or whatever? But if it's a co-op multiplayer, I, I think people are a lot more forgiving with that kind of multiplayer because someone cheating or someone whatever doesn't really affect your game. 
you know, like what, like it makes the match go easier for you. Um, so I, I don't care so much that they canceled their, their test, but I do want to know what this strike team stuff they've been talking about is. I'm it guessing it's like going to be similar in format too. What the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer was. Well, cause I'm, I'm like with the narrative tie in, I'm wondering if like, if you play like, let's say like a multiplayer map, if it, you know, like if there's less enemies in the story or something like that, when you get to a certain part, or if they just do like a galactic readiness thing where, the more multiplayer there's, you um, there's absolutely no tie between single player and multiplayer, like actual gameplay wise. Yeah. It's completely separated modes. Huh. Okay. So they're doing it like Inquisition. Because there are a lot of people who didn't like the whole galactic, galactic readiness mechanic. So I can understand why they're doing this. Huh. It's um, like a. But... Like, oh, I don't know if anyone ever played Assassin's Creed multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For about five minutes. And how that had a story place in the main game, but didn't actually have any effect in the main game. Like yeah, it was the Abstergo missions or whatever, but then it didn't actually affect what was going on in the main yeah, game in, at all. In, Dra- in Dragon Age, they just basically have war table quests that involve the um, the multiplayer characters. I think they unlocked them all at some point, but at the beginning it was like you could only get those war table missions if you played the multiplayer or something like that. I'm not 100% on I'm, that. I don't really remember. Yeah, those war table missions are at some point. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> go Leilana, go. <laughs> like, I don't care who, who does it. Just somebody go do this one. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that. But I'm, I'm excited for, for Mass Effect um, Andromeda no matter what. But um, I, the multiplayer, I'll, I'll wait to see what it is. But I do hope that they implement it some, a little bit cooler. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with just a standard horde mode. But... We'll see what they what they cook up. Um, it does it does seem like they're they they I think they understand what people liked about uh, Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. I think it's going to be relatively similar. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, so going back to the original trilogy, uh, we mentioned you know what we liked about the series. We mentioned our favorite characters. Um, so what are your uh, what are some of your most memorable moments from playing the trilogy? Uh, Death of Morden is definitely number one. I think that's probably across the board yeah. for everybody. Especially if you talk to, I love that if you talk to him about in some really insignificant conversations about how he sings opera in the yeah. second game, that comes back in a really nice way in, the, in his death scene. And if you don't, you miss it and it's not a big deal. But if you do it, it's just a little extra. Oh, that's nice that they actually remembered I had this nothing conversation with him a game ago. Yeah. He, I think when he, as he's dying, he's saying like, I am the very model of a model. Modern major, modern major Solarian. general. Yeah, yeah. But they like they changed it to like Solarian. And yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that to me that's my my number one example of like what Mass Effect can be as a series. But um, I mean, if you want to get a little bit, you know, kind of off the uh, the story, I guess it would be. Do you guys remember that Horizon mission early on in Mass Effect Two, where you yeah. go to the planet and like it's in the middle of a, a collector attack, and you get to like see like the people like turned into statue stones or whatever. You see the first collector ship. And that was yeah. a really cool mission to me to start out so early in the game um, to kind of show you what, 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 what's going on with the story. And I, I really liked that the way that ended up working out. Um, obviously, you know, the collectors became a much bigger deal throughout that game. Um, but yeah, it, it was, to me, it was really cool that, that they would start right out with that horizon mission and show you what exactly the collectors were doing. Cause at that point it was only kind of like a, um, 
it was only kind of like a rumor. Do you know what I mean? Like these collector ships yeah. were going throughout and doing all this. And then they show you like, oh, shit, this is actually kind of – it was pretty terrifying to see like all the bugs are coming down and everybody's like frozen and they're just, you know, shoveling their husks into ships. I, I thought that was yeah. a really cool way to set up at that point what was kind of like a mid-tier sub-boss alien race, the collectors. Yeah, for um, my money, they did a better job of establishing the collectors as terrifying than they, they ever did for the Geth. Because collectors, like from Mission One, like, oh my god, these guys are—they're horrifying. This yeah. is horrifying shit they're doing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, might have been kind of intentional because the Geth weren't like where they went with the Geth. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they're not really supposed to be villains. Yeah, they were villains. slaves, basically. I, I I don't know if I I ever really understood because you know that there's that part with the Geth where you go inside Legion's consciousness or whatever yeah i I don't really i don't really get that the geth were were ever supposed to even be villains except for they needed a robot for you to go fight you know in in one and it kind of felt like that's what the geth were but their storyline ended up getting fixed so much that i could kind of see them as villains if you don't if you if you would never met legion which could happen right i mean there's a way to i mean if you never met legion yeah exactly oh yeah you could you could have i think there is some variables you could change in conversation to just have them get killed or maybe i think i can't remember if you can tell him not to get on your ship or you can just destroy him as soon as he wakes up yeah i can't I mean, remember I, you don't have to wake him up that's right it's yeah you actually wake him up you can just like leave him fucking frozen I mean, it sucks because he's so good oh, yeah but if you it. never did that your whole your whole view of the gas would be so different right like legion's the one who basically explains the death vi to you that it's 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 more of like a, a religious collective which where at the yeah. time just think of them as like a bunch of brainwashed robots um but that's kind of an interesting way but yeah legion is the gateway to to understanding the geth but for a lot of people yeah if you never woke him up or if you never recruited him yeah i'm sure that you don't have anywhere near as much of a tie to the geth as other people yeah, I think that's why it's important to for the game to provide that perspective. Um, and that's one thing I, I appreciate about the series, its ability to sort of recontextualize things that you didn't uh, fully understand earlier. Like um, how Saren becomes, like, you think of him as this selfish dickwad at the start of Mass Effect 1, but by the end, he's sort of like a tragic figure who's, you know, been indoctrinated. Um, so it, it's neat that the game can do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just just Legion's whole thing with Tali at the end. Um, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier about Tali killing herself. You know, when you try to basically tell Legion that I'm going to kill the Geth, you know, his, his argument is really good. Um, you know, about how can you say we're not alive? You're, you're killing us. Um, I, I actually saw a video because I was looking this up about. I knew we end up talking about Tali a little bit uh, in that decision. But did you guys know that if Tali dies in two? Um, what's her name? Um, she, the girl, the the woman from the Expanse. Uh, uh, sorry, like uh, Dash. Yeah. yeah. So if Tali's not alive, what happens in that scene with Legion is Legion's like, "Hey, um, you know how like you can try to do a Paragon or Renegade action to stop Legion from or stop Tali? It's mm-hmm. uh, she. What her name is? At the Admiral shoots Legion in front of you with a shotgun and just explodes him in front of you. It was like, oh shit! I never knew that could happen. But when I finally watched that video, it was insane that 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 was a scene that they actually wrote in, where <laughs> you know somebody else just blasts Legion in front of you and explodes him. 
Um, but yeah, really, really cool scene. Yeah, I've never experienced Mass Effect 3 with like missing characters or the alternate versions that you have if you lost people in the suicide mission. So I, I hear a lot of people talking about like the Tali replacement and the Morden replacement. I forget their names. Um, but I've never actually experienced them. And apparently they're very different characters with very different personalities. It's not like, here's Warden with a different name. Right. Like, it actually changes things quite significantly. Yeah. And I had um, the replacement from Miranda, Thane, and uh, fuck, what's the sorry chick's name? Samara. And yeah, uh, they're pretty great. <laughs> it's so weird though that there's like this like shadow version of Mass Effect 3. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, from a, a programming and, and everything and a creation standpoint, they had to be like, well, what if this person really sucked at this game? <laughs> like, you know, there's a. Like, a oh, my friend played through it and you know the party at the end of Citadel? Yeah. That shit gets really depressing <laughs> if you're bad at the game. Because he's having this party with like two people. And oh it's my like, god! Everyone that's left to lot. It's just like, like my childhood had, birthday parties. He had like Rex died. He had like he was the only survivor of his suicide mission. He was like, like oh, and he's just playing this party, and there's just like no one here, and like the party goes from like this fun, yeah, everyone's having fun, to everyone just kind of like, like sad, drinking, remembering all their friends that are dead. Yeah, I think there's an image somewhere of like, like, you know how like there's like the picture of the couch like at the end, you know, like yeah. you got everybody alive. It's like you know like, this couch full of like rows and rows of people. I think like the minimum you can have is like Edie, Joker, Jacob. Uh, what's the other guy? Um, Jacob can die though in Mass Effect Two. Oh, not Jacob. Yeah, you can kill uh, him in the suicide mission. The the not Jacob the um the shuttle pilot. Vega. Oh, okay. um, Steve Cortez. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, and then like I think Liara. I think like that's the minimal people that you can have. It's like Edie Joker, <laughs> Vega, the shuttle pilot, and uh, Liara on the couch, like looking like, oh my god, this is the worst party ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's it's funny to me. Like I said that. Oh, thing. speaking of like the shit you see like that, which I guess you guys said you got through the suicide mission with everyone alive, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there is a scene which i got of um tali getting really shit-faced drunk in the pub remembering miranda and just being like i guess in the end she wasn't such a bitch after all (laughs) and just being like really sad about her dying which like it's just one of those like random things you like stumble onto when you're walking around your ship between missions i i I got really i mean i i didn't have a, a guide or anything i played it when it happened i just got really lucky with just who i thought would do each thing a lot of it I thought was common even... sense, honestly. Like, Legion in the vents only makes sense, right? He's not going to be burned by steam. Um, and then the biotic... See, like, I put it's... Thane in the vents because he's an assassin and used to, oh, like, climbing through vents up. and everything. Now you're <laughs> fucked up. You yeah, doing? and he fucking died. And well, then cause... I put fucking... Well, um, Thane fucking Samara... dies anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that doesn't count. Then I put Samara in charge of, like, all the people because she's, like, the old, like, general army lady and everything. And she fucking looks at a missile in the face and gets shot in the face with a missile like you fucking put your head behind the door uh, yeah, yeah you gotta use it and for the biotic barrier I don't even know well. how Mar- no I put Jack for there she did fine um I don't even know how Miranda died like I did like it was Miranda, at the end actually, Miranda was alive this is and then just Miranda, the like last pan over the thing she's just lying dead on the floor like oh 
fuck, I guess she died too. <laughs> Randy, to be because there's that because there, you can actually have her put in situation where she should die twice, and the game actually the game actually gives you leeway. Like if you put her in a situation once, she'll actually you actually get a freebie with her because the game really wants you to keep her alive. You're talking about if she <laughs> does the if she does the biotic. There's like a biotic. She thing. can't do the biotic barrier. That's that's the one thing that it seems like she should be able to do, but she can't because she, she has uh, an overinflated assessment of her biotic abilities. But you're talking about when she leads the party, right? When she leads yeah, the she second leads the party, team, like yeah, she she can she can get yeah she can get got there and still and still stay alive. Oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah the, I, the game gives you a freebie with her in, in had, an interesting way. I had Jacob do it, and he got shot in the chest, but then just stood back up, and he's like, "I'm good, let's keep going." And I was like, "Was that supposed to happen?" Or um, but yeah, so I, cause I thought that was weird. And I, I sent Morden back with the, the injured crew members. Um, because I just, I th- I figure like he was a doctor. If they needed medical attention, he, they, he could help them. And that worked out fine. Um, and then I, I, I had, I think Zaid lead the, there's like that charge at the end where you've got that second team that holds the door or whatever. I had Zaid lead that. Yeah, that was where Samara ate him itself. Oh yeah, yeah. I had Zaid do that because I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's he's an old mercenary. He seems like he could handle this kind of thing. But yeah, it all worked out for me. And and, and then I was like, watched my friend's video and or like he showed me his ending from on YouTube, his version. It was just like everybody's dead and Shepard goes to make the jump. There's nobody there to catch him because <laughs> he's because all his fucking. <laughs> oh my god, this is fucking dark. <laughs> Doesn't feel like you beat the game at all if that's the ending you get. <laughs> But and we of course, about, like, everyone's like, everyone's favorite favorite uh, moment in Mass Effect series is when uh, Kai Lang comes in. Everyone's favorite character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, am I supposed to hate Kai Lang? I don't. He sucks. Understand why? I, so, why does he so, suck? I don't. He's get apparently it. in some books that uh, that I didn't said. read. I only read like the first two, and he's not in those. I just thought the way they handled him was so dumb. Like, oh, he's a here's a character you've never heard of before. He's really super badass and powerful, but he's but if you if you just play him in the normal game, like you can murk him pretty easily. But he's but if he, whenever he's in a cutscene, he gets dumb in vulnerability, and Shepard's suddenly a dumbass who can't handle him. Yeah, yeah, I I thought that was really a big mistake. I I know he is like you said, he's in the books, and apparently he's kind of like if you know how like Miranda was engineered to be like the best biotic or whatever. He was basically engineered to be like the pinnacle of yeah exactly like the pinnacle of you know ninja-ness or whatever but um i I never read the books either so i was just kind of stuck like who's this dork and the the big the most annoying thing is like you're saying like i beat him i shoot him in the face and then it's like the cutscene shows up and just punches me and runs away i'm like wait a minute you know um so yeah that was that was really annoying to me and kind of jarring especially because my latest playthrough i had like i I just cheated i just wanted to you know go through a lot of the story moments so i had like you know, amazing of vulnerability. Like my bullets did like 10 million damage and stuff. So, you know, like there's this cutscene. He shows up, I shoot him once, and it's like another cutscene of him just overpowering me. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is dumb. Yeah. Um, he- it always just weirded me out that like the entire game is like, like you have your magic powers and everything, but everything is still kind of like grounded in reality and everything. And then this fucking anime character shows up. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he's like doing like backflips and he's fighting you with a sword and you're just like, who the yeah. fuck are you, and why are you not in like a completely different game? He was yeah. So so I wanted to like bring they just bring took a character from Jade Empire and stuck him in yeah. Mass Effect. I wanted to bring this to attention because there's a there's a there's a, a game designer, developer, writer who writes that I really like called Seamus Young, 
And he did a gigantic, gigantic, like 50 part write up on the entire Mass Effect series. And when he finally got to Kai Lang, like, talk, like he made a good point. Like Kai Lang is what happens when you're at an MMO, when you're, you're at, a, at a role playing party, like you're all ready to play Dungeons and Dragons. One guy's like, I'm going to play like a dwarf. He's kind of a jerk. Another guy's like, I'm going to play an elf ranger. And she's kind of a protector. She's kind of matronly. Like, and then someone shows up with Kai Lang's like, I'm going to play the most badass ninja ever he's cybernetic he's got like a sword that does 10 million damage like and his character is so out of whack with the rest of the game that he in, that he ends up making the entire game about himself and that's what kai lang is someone had a pet art pet rpg character they really wanted to carry over whether or not he made any sense for the setting wasn't he supposed to be um in some kind of dlc that got cut in two or something were they supposed to introduce him in two but he never ended up getting- i have no idea i never i don't remember hearing that I just I, remember hearing like, "Oh, just read the books if you want backstory." And then I'm, I looked his backstory up on the Bioware wiki, and like, "Eh, I'm good." Yeah, I, I just remember hearing that they were going to try to. He was going to at least be supposed to have been introduced before him, like, but he never, for some reason, never got in it um, in the game. Like, he never made the cut, so that's why he just kind of shows up in three with this stupid story behind him um, that nobody's ever really even heard of this guy before. When apparently he's done all this amazing stuff according to the books, but. You know, and it never even mentions him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's such a small part of Mass Effect Three that I just didn't care. I, I yeah. I mean, the game needs bosses, right? They need sub bosses, or you know, just people that because you need to kill people. You can't all just be Reapers well, and Reapers. Have a boss. So. Yeah. Like, yeah, they could have done differently, but he was such a small part of the game that I just didn't care that he was there. Um. But yeah, I mean, I get the complaints. It's just it, was, it didn't register for me. Well, he just got like like this huge backstory, right? I mean, like I can't remember what he did. like he had stuff like involving like Saren and and all kinds of stuff. Um, but he just kind of in the in the game, he just kind of shows up as this whatever guy. Yeah, I'm looking at the Mass Effect wiki right now, and he has a super long entry <laughs> for like for characters in the game actually for like 20 minutes tops. Yeah, and he's just got. It would take me longer to read this article than to interact with him throughout Mass Effect 3. Yeah, it's where like that apparently apparently the books that feature him aren't aren't very good either. Like apparently those oh, uh, those quality God, of those just went off a cliff. Again. I've forgotten how dumb he looks. <laughs> yeah, I uh, it's a shame because I actually kind of yeah. like the first I the only first books I remember the first two, and they weren't they weren't terrible. Like you you could do a lot worse for tie in novels. Yeah. I I I'd still recommend the Dragon Age ones, but I the Mass Effect ones. The only one I read was a comic book, and it wasn't very good. So I don't know. I have to, I haven't novels were fine. Touched, the novels, I the novels were mainly just floor. backstory for uh for uh Captain for Anderson, and which is I thought was kind of needed because I liked Anderson, but it didn't feel like he was in enough the game. First book, first book, especially like all all about him and his interactions with Saren and his, and it actually lends his interactions with that one blonde, uh, Kaylee Sanders and Mass Effect Three mean more because they actually used to be a fling and there was the whole thing. It's really interesting how they tie that in. Yeah, um, I I think that was one of the one of the things that I missed too because when Citadel run came around, I was like, wait a minute, like all these people were like double agents and all this stuff. I, I don't know how I missed all that, but apparently it was a lot of it was from the books. Wait, is the is the evil is the villain from uh from Citadel also in the books? I forget her name. The Clone uh, Shepherd. Not the Clone Shepherd, the person who's collaborating with Clone Shepherd. I can't remember. What's her name? I don't know. <laughs> I, I wanna I say yes. I'm not hundred percent, but 
I guess we can all Google it. We can look it up. That's, that's the great thing about it. <laughs> yeah, everyone typing. <laughs> yeah, everyone's typing all at once. Uh, yeah. Well, I will say. Right up, uh, talking about like what the defining moments of Mass Effect for you guys are, I reckon probably the fucking, I just said it before, the shooting Rex mission. Yeah, that's a good one. Vermeer. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I remember I played like Mass Effect 1 when I first got it and got up to um fighting Matriarch Benezia and was just like, fuck this game, this game is shit, and quit. And, <laughs> and like Mass Effect 2 got it out, so I'm like, fuck, I might as well go back and beat that game. And like up until Vermeer, like Mass Effect 1, I think, is kind of a mediocre game. It's not great. Then, like, you get the you can shoot Rex, and then I had to panic and reboot my game because I thought that was a joke option and didn't realize I would just kill him. <laughs> and yeah. you get the first boss fight against Saren, and, like, all shit starts going down. You have to kill one of your teammates. Like, you get that whole, like, hold-the-line speech. You find out about, like, Krogan Jennifer. Like, it's like, shit goes down in a big way, and that, to me, is, like, where Mass Effect actually properly starts. Because up until then, it's just like the eh, fun, dumb space adventures. Then you're like, no shit, man. This shit is for real. That's that's a really good point. Um, especially because like y- you having to make that first choice really kind of tells you, like, okay, this is a, a happy story where I, if I play hard enough, everything's going to work out. You know, like there, there's going to be stuff that yeah, I can't like, control. Fucking Caden and Ashley dying. Choose one. And you're just like, wait, mm-hmm. what? Just choose one. Like, yeah. Uh, Ashley's a bitch, so bye. <laughs> so there, so I actually had my my favorite, the one that, well, the memory that really stuck with me actually revolves around Ashley. So I, I didn't, I, it's not that I, it's not that I didn't dislike Caden. I just thought he was kind of boring, and it didn't help that oh, he yeah, was. That's voiced, why I let him die. Yeah, it didn't help that he was voiced by the same guy who voiced fucking Carthonassi in the Kodor games. Oh, Carthonassi is the worst. <laughs> anyway, so I had, so I had Caden get got on uh, Vermeer and I kept around Ashley because I really liked Ashley. I thought she was a really interesting character and I liked that she was a little bit racist because that seemed that seemed kind of realistic and believable. Yeah, and I, so, I, w- I would say that I, I would Ashley's an easier pick than Caden to me because she might be an annoying racist, but she's at least interesting. Caden is so fucking boring. Caden is Caden is mayonnaise on white bread. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> but one thing one interesting thing he does, like, hey, when I was uh when I was training to become a biotic, like I saw this girl like get wrecked. So I wrecked the teacher and in his place, like, oh, are you actually kind of be interesting? And he's like, No, I'm not, that's all I had to say. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I, I, I felt justified for always killing Caden because on my most recent one I didn't. And he gets so mopey when you turn him down as a female shepherd. Like, he, just, <laughs> he becomes, like, the picture-perfect, like, nice guy who starts, you know, like, whenever oh, you go, no. like, oh, okay, well, you're not going to date me, so I'm just going to go sit over here in my corner and talk about my headaches. Like, all he ever talks about from then on out is his headaches or whatever. And I was like, yeah, kind of glad I didn't He's the worst because so, I, so, like, pity-banged him in Mass Effect 1. Cause, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then in Mass Effect 2, he's like... He, when you, because you meet him on the fucking collector mission, he's like, "Oh my god, yeah. what are you doing?" He's like, "Dude, just fuck off." He's like, "No, I thought we had something special." Like, no, dude. no, like I pity fucked you. So, so that was, I got, I got Jacob like, now. He's like twice, he's like twice as hot as you. Yeah, so that was the thing that. Yeah, that I'm like, with I, I'm with Garrus. He has mandibles. You don't have mandibles, so <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, that was 
That was the thing that stuck with me because on that on that mission, like halfway through Mass Effect Two, where you meet back up with that one, like I I picked Ashley as my romantic interest, and like so I came back. It's like, oh god, Ashley's back. I can have her my party. We're gonna go on a bunch of bunch of adventures together. We're gonna talk us out. We're gonna hug it out. And she's like, you know what? Like I might be kind of racist, but you're working with a group that's like hell a racist. <laughs> yeah. I'm not hanging out with you. And I thought it was interesting that, that that a character I really liked and that I really wanted back in my party was just saying no because it felt like it felt realistic. It felt like like oh, this game isn't just it's going to con- cater to what I the player want. It's going to take into account that that the character Shepard that I'm playing as has made some rotten decisions, and characters aren't just going to fall in line just because I'm the player and I'm the best. Yeah. I really like that. I think I think my defining moment in, in I think most everybody knows about this moment, but I think the one I really kind of the game kind of all came together to me was when you get to make the Rachne uh, queen decision because like you're deciding the fate of an entire species based on kind of you know just what you want what 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 you feel like you know these are these this evil queen of these bug aliens that almost wiped out the humanity, but she's saying she's going to be a good one so. You know, you gonna let her go, or you gonna kill her, or what? Um, I thought that rack decision was really Which, that decision had full impact in the later games. Like, oh, me too. yeah, yeah, yeah. They basically it just, yeah, they almost retcon it by Mass Effect Three. Yeah, and and three, there's a little bit of them, um, right? Like you see the uh, the thralls in that one area where the Rackna have been taken over by the Reapers, yeah. right? Yeah, is that is that it, in it, Leviathan? It, it, no, that's that's part of the no, base no, game. It's, okay. it's in the it's in the main game proper yeah so i mean yeah i mean you definitely see there is some impact but i mean you don't ever and i think after you do that mission you do get rachne forces as part of your galactic readiness but you don't ever see yeah but you never actually get to see yeah, you, like, you just you just hear like hey a bunch of like you get like a little codex like hey a bunch of rachni showed up to the to build help build the crucible everyone's super scared of them but they seem to be friendly so far i don't know yeah yeah, and I think like there's like one of those like news reports too. You know, like when you walk around, sometimes like there'll be like those little Citadel news. It'll be like, I, I think it talks about the Rackney showing up, and you know, don't shoot him or whatever. Kind of the same idea. Yeah, it, I, I really yeah. yeah that's I, my my. That's one thing that Mass Effect Three did really well though is yeah. like that incidental dialogue that sort of provided flavor. For, well, uh, they did that the from the first one because that was how fucking Blasto got introduced, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just hear the ad for his new movie. Yeah, Blast of the First Tanner Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it became like this running joke throughout the trilogy because people just ran with it. Same with all Alcor Hamlet. That also became a joke. Yeah, like, like you're starting around um, Citadel, you hear the shit. In the Citadel DLC, when you actually get to be in the Blasto movie, is one of the yeah. coolest bits. <laughs> yeah. And there's also just an Alcor standing there who's like reciting Shakespeare. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's right, it's his. They're the bunny cops, and he's got the Elcorp partner. Per- Shit, I forgot oh, about no, that. Oh, I'm talking about... Like, okay, so there's that, and there's also another joke, I think, from Mass Effect 1 about an all Elcorp production of Shakespeare's Hamlet. Yeah. And yeah. it actually pays off where you get to yeah, meet yeah. one of the Elcorp actors in, in the Citadel <laughs> DLC. Yeah, total fan service, but in the best way. That's all the Citadel was, is just like fucking love letter to our fans, and it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so on that note, is there is there anything else from the Mass Effect series you think uh, we should discuss or is worth uh, noting before we move on? Drinking with Garrus in the Citadel when the sniping mission. That's like the fucking Vermeer mission was probably like the defining moment, but that where you're just like doing like the competitive sniping with Garrus after drinks 
He's like probably yeah. my favorite. It's it's one of the it's, I think it's one of the iconic moments from the series. We're just sort of reflecting on uh, on everything that's been happening, and there's there's almost a hint of nostalgia in there. We were wishing uh, to go back to the simpler times. We were just it's, like hanging out on the normal game like, together. If like a, I don't think another game could do without the like three games of build up, yeah. Like you know what I mean, like. Like it's very re- that's one of the things I think makes Mass Effect better than Dragon Age in my opinion is like how Dragon Age is always changing your main character and changing like it's the same world but it's not the same people but like yeah. Mass Effect like get that emotional connection to the character to your shepherd to your crew and that kind of thing. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, Dragon Age like it is new main character in every series, so it'll they'll try the same things like oh Liliana's back and she's just talking about how the the Grey Warden sexed her up, but you're like oh it doesn't mean into me to me because I'm playing as a completely new character who has yeah, no basis for understanding her, and the Grey Warden's yeah, never gonna show up again because they just they don't want to have to take into account so many decisions you make because there's so many more decisions you could make about him than you could in Mass Effect, so he's never coming back. Well, I think it's a different approach to to building the games, though. It's a completely different approach, though, that they're taking, right? Well, it is completely... But I think it ends up being a worse approach, if you want. Like, I don't know if that's really the right word, but it, like, means you have less emotional connection to what's going on in the games than you do in Mass Effect. But it's, like, a more expansive world, but a, like, less emotionally involved world. So, I mean, I never felt as emotionally attached to... My Dragon Age characters, with the possible exception of Hawk, uh, as I did to my to Shepard. But I think sort of the what what Dragon Age is trying to do is 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 put you in the role of somebody who's making decisions about sort of an entire society, rather than you know explicitly role playing as a as a single character. Um, so I think I think there are different approaches to to making games or, or making role playing games specifically. But I mean, I can see if you're lo- if you're really looking for that emotional investment, I can see why you would feel uh, that Dragon Age is, is deficient in that regard. Um, yeah, so that's Mass Effect in in a nutshell. I think we've we've sort of covered the entire trilogy. Not enough Garrus talk. <laughs> Not enough Garrus talk. We could talk. We can we can start an After Dark Garrus podcast. Next week, <laughs> just, next next time I'm on the podcast, it's going to be Garrus Watch. All right, Garrus Watch 2017, or what, whatever whatever year is it in Mass Effect, like 2178? I don't even know. Um, but yeah, we, we'll have a Garrus Watch. We'll see how that goes. I, will, I, will ask, I want to ask one question to the group assembled. Like how – I want to ask – it's actually a two-part question. One, how far into the future do you think Andromeda is going to take from the rest of the games? And two, do you think that at some point in the probable upcoming trilogy, will they learn that they didn't have to leave – the Milky Way after all, and are they going to be super bummed about it? Well, I kind of know the answer to two. Well, at least I've, I've read some of the theories to two. Um, and that is that this is actually a Cerberus thing. Cerberus is kind of behind the Andromeda initiative um, that's, to send people that's, out to the other I'm galaxies. I'm going to say... I don't think Cerberus would have allowed any alien species on the yeah, trip an, if that was true. Andromeda... There's like the main like pathfinding ships. There's one for each race. There's like a, a Sari one, a Krogan one, a Turian one, a 
Solarian one. Yeah, and a human this doesn't one sound like a well-supported theory. I, I, it, what I read is, is kind of convincing, but I guess I guess we'll see. But I mean, I, I, the indoctrination I'm, I guess it's about 500 years in the future. I think that they've said that something like 600 years. I think they've actually announced how far it is into the future. It'd be a good, tri- but, uh, good trip if it was only like one year and they actually then went through a wormhole and like, oh, God, the Reapers are back. <laughs> I think they're going to – I think this is going to be a clean break. Back on Earth is on fire. I I think this is just going to be a completely clean break, and that's why it's, you know, several hundred years in the future. I don't think there's going to be any references at all to the Milky Way except for people saying, yeah, I missed life in the Milky Way. But I don't think there's going to be any major plot links. I think this is a clean break. At least Andromeda is a cooler name for a galaxy than Milky Way. (laughs) Yeah, we kind of got saddled with a shitty name for our galaxy. Can we, like, petition astronomers to change it? Anyway. Pardon me? Who the fuck actually named them? Like, what astronomer decided to name our own galaxy the Milky Way? Dr. Milky Way? Yeah, Dr. Milky Way was... Uh, also inventor of the candy guy had a... Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, he had, he had a fairly high opinion of himself. Um, yeah, re- we, we really got Sal with a re- shitty name, unfortunately. Like, got to be like 600, 700 years into the future, because... I don't think this game is actually importing saves, is it? Like you can't import your no, no. not at all. No, I think they'll. I think I think I want to say they're going to do the uh, Codor thing of they're going to ask you a few questions, but like, so how was so how was shit going back on Earth before we left? And you could be like, well, oh, Lady yeah. Shepherd, Lady Shepherd did this, or or male Shepherd did that, and he was he or she was kind of a dick or kind of a nice person. That's kind of as much as you can do. Yeah, because I think one of the big advantages of like setting it that far into the future is like if you do end up going back to the Milky Way or whatever, you, it's far enough in the future that all the decisions from the end of Mass Effect 3 can be normalized. Like, say, you chose the synthesis ending, I chose the fucking control ending. Like, it's far enough in the future that synthesis could have been achieved naturally in that time period, so everyone is synthesized and it makes sense no matter what you chose at the end of Mass Effect 3. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I just don't think we're going to see that. I just think Andromeda is a completely clean... But I don't think we're going back to the Milky Way at all. Yeah, I don't think Maybe we're the really going back to the Milky Way. That's one of the reasons it's that far ahead in the future, is that they can like ignore all the fucking changes they made. But I also think... Uh, the fans are going to be up in arms if they do that, though. I don't think anyone's going to be like upset that they didn't have to leave or whatever. Like You said, like, are they going to find out they didn't need to leave and be upset? Because I think if you're going on the Andromeda mission, if you, like, choose to do that, you're, like, have made that decision already? Like, you would take that into account before you leave your entire life behind? Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between... I I don't think the characters would be mad. I'm saying fans who played the game will be like, my decisions didn't matter. And we all know how, how angry people get when their decisions in video games don't matter. Oh, fans are going to be pissed off because they're fans, and they get pissed off no matter what happens. Yeah. There's, there's not enough so- Sonic in this game. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah. There's no Sonic. Yeah, I want OG Bioware. Make, I want my Sonic back in my, in my master. I want them to bring back all the Baldur's Gate characters. Why can't I have that one Victoria Velina dark elf sex lady in my party? What the hell is wrong with this? I want them to go to a planet. I want them to go to a basically a whole race of dark elf sex ladies. I want them to go to a planet in Andromeda and Dragon Age is happening on the planet. That's what I was just about to say. I want to see that so badly. That'd be amazing. The ship just crashes and a dark spawn comes out. 
Yes. Like, oh, is this like por- how Portal and Half Life take place in the same universe? You can save. Like, if you have a Dragon Age, it like secretly imports that, and you just land on your planet, and there's your fucking um, Inquisitor there. Like, yo, what's up? And you're like, fuck. Yes. I want more again in my be... party. That would be very weird indeed. Um, and on that note, I think uh, it's time to call this podcast to a close. Um, so if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, you can, of course, follow us on our website at avocadogamesclass.wordpress.com, uh, where we post each episode and we post a link dump. So a lot of the stuff we're saying here that we're not really sure about, we're going to try to fact check it so we can verify it later once we finally post this. No, uh, you we're <laughs> hey 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 i actually do that i actually like listen to great. the entire podcast and find the links for everything yeah everything we say is true <laughs> believe everything um you can also subscribe to us on itunes just search for avocado gamescast and finally i should also remind you that mass effect andromeda comes to playstation 4 xbox one and pc on Tuesday, March 21st. Remember when Shepard and Kai Lang were long-lost bro- siblings? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is an actual part of the video games. That'd be, that'd be great. Uh, that would that would be great if it were... Um, I'm going to quote a Fox News post and say that would be... Pardon me? Remember that mission you had to do that was just entirely about different alien dicks? <laughs> yeah, remember Shepard's just like weighing a different different dicks with his hands like mm, this one this one gives us like a seven out of ten <laughs> that, that is the most important mission in in mass effect uh uranus um <laughs> yeah sorry we had to make that joke it's it's a space game um so on that note thank you guys for, for being on the podcast with me this was a fun very lengthy and informative discussion about mass effect I'm more uh, so excited for Andromeda after this conversation. <laughs> I'm starting to remember, oh, wait, I love Mass Effect. I'm actually am really excited <laughs> for the new game. And I'm glad that you guys are excited because I think this is going to be a fun one. So, uh, well, good night to all our listeners and thank you all for being on the podcast. Night.